I don't know. What, what am I saying? Who are you? What's your name? I don't know. What, what do people I don't know. need to know? Maybe we should go and listen to other podcasts <laughs> and see how they start. Hello, welcome to La Pod. It's a brand new podcast we're going to be putting out from down here in the basement of La Pub twice a month. We're going to be talking to our staff, our community, local bands, local artists, and anyone we think is interesting. Yes, yes, welcome, welcome to episode number 13 of La Pod. And in an attempt to thwart the bad luck inherent in the number of this episode, I'm going to start off by getting in some positive vibes and thanking each and every one of you for listening to this podcast for engaging for subscribing commenting anything you might have done it's quite often left to like the end of the episode an afterthought oh thanks thanks for listening everyone so we'll just get it in at the start thank you it is much appreciated um if it's your first time thank you even more i guess not to kind of slight the long-term listeners but the more the merrier as they say um and check out the back catalogue we're getting some some decent interviews stacked up there. Well, they must be decent, because this week we were featured in Kerrang! Kerrang! magazine wrote about little old Lepod. I know, mental. So I guess we're doing something right. Thank you all once again. Now for this week's episode, we are joined by someone who has been a long-term presence at BBC Radio Wales. He's been around the, the Cardiff live music scene for forever, um, just trying to, to push it and get it out there and get it as big and well-known and popular and respected as it deserves to be. And his name is Minty. We had a great conversation, touched on all sorts of topics, including... And I just, I just remember gearing up because I was so fucking pissed off that Axel Rose walked on an hour and a half late. I just got a microphone and I was like, can people just tell me what they think of this like absolutely atrocious like showing, like a shambolic like from Guns N' Roses. And I got a stand not stand innovation, because everyone was sitting down because they were fucked. But everyone's there clapping, I'm like, what the I don't know what I've just said. And I gave that landlord all the you know, the ammunition in the world to come. Tell me, you've got a different vision of Cardiff to what I've got. I respect that. Talk to me, engage with us, talk to us. And they just literally put the wall up and would not speak to us. Never spoke to me once. Did that for, you know, 18 months or so. And then I got really into my radio station. I was like, I really love radio, like really love it. And so I went, I don't want to do my degree anymore, but I don't want to leave uni. I don't want to leave uni because I'm loving the extracurricular stuff, but I don't want to do my degree anymore. So yeah, before we get into it, we spend a lot of time in this episode talking about um, music venues, grassroots music venues specifically, and the threat of closure that they face quite often, to be honest, even before the pandemic. And that threat obviously has done nothing but increase throughout the pandemic. Um, and there are still 20 grassroots music venues facing imminent, permanent closure right now. That's despite all of the, the, the government support and the donations and the help from the community. There's, there's 20 nationwide who are still on the brink of closure. Um, and Music Venues Trust, who have been utterly fantastic throughout this the pandemic and beforehand, to be honest, um, they are still holding a campaign to try and keep them open. Um, they're determined to do all they can. And the website for, for you to get involved, um, there's still a few days left 
to, to donate and to help in, in any way that you can is simply saveourvenues.co.uk. So if you log on to that, saveourvenues.co.uk, you can see the list of venues that are facing closure um, and you can see all the different ways that you can help out. So if you have a free second, even right now, I will give you that permission to stop listening to this podcast, go on our website, check out the list and help out if you can at all. But then you have to come back. Promise me that you'll come back. Please come back and listen to this podcast. But yeah, um, help in any way you can. And I know as a, a participant and a member and a, I don't know, a, a grateful recipient of the work that grassroots music venues do, how grateful that the people on those lists, on the, the imminent closure list, will be for any help that you can, you can spare. Nice. Um, that's the end of that plea and the start of episode 13 with Minty. <laughs> One lift off! And we're live. It always makes me think of uh, Wayne's World as well. You seen that? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. of course. Two, me, what, have I seen Wayne's yeah, World? I don't know. It's a I, classic. I was pretty sure you would have, but uh, I don't know. Hello, the pub fans. I love that any Wayne's World fans will know exactly what you're doing with your hands without even being able to see your hands. Just yeah. from that sound, they'll know <laughs> yeah. it. They'll know exactly what you're doing. Oh, mate, I love it all. Like, you know, hello. I'm in Delaware. <laughs> so good, so good. Did you see their um, Super Bowl ad? The thing they, they got back together, didn't they? No. For a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, yeah. No way, there's it's a class. Super Bowl ad. Oh, yeah, my yeah. word. Oh, yeah. wow. I need to check that out. You Garth have to that looks me later. exactly the same, which is weird. He's bald now, though, isn't he? I must have isn't had he... a wig on or something. Oh, he must yeah. have had a wig on, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I've done a little bit of a wiki. Do you, know, do you do that when you, like, you know, you like, oh, what? What are they up to? Who are they now? Where are yeah, they? Who, yeah. are they? Who are they married to? And all of a sudden, you just become like really nosy. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, you're balls deep on, uh, you know, on Google looking, you know, for Down who they are, what they're up to, where they live, who they're married to. Um, yeah, I do that a lot. Live yeah. on Wikipedia. It's yeah, not always yeah. correct, of course, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it gives you some sort of guide. Yeah, gives you an idea. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you been, man? How yeah. How are you? Yeah. Good. At the moment, good. Um, yeah. I mean, as everybody will uh, attest to, um, past twelve months have been a roller coaster. Really, Absolute. you know, ups, downs, yeah. concrete downs. I mean, mental health wise, like mm-hmm. in September time, uh, end of August, start of September. I mean, I was at the lowest of the low. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure you could. And feel free to delve on that if you want, because I mean, if talking about my mental health experience helps somebody else, then that's great. Yeah, um, for sure. But, it, but, it, but uh, yeah, sorry to get so heavy so quickly, but I mean, you know, it's the it's elephant the in the podcast. room that needs to it be. It goes where it goes. Out. Yeah. yeah. It's the elephant in the room that needs to be discussed, and I'm sure quite a lot of your guests that you've had on the pod since you started it have talked about, you know, the way that the pandemic has helped form them, helped shape them, and also, yeah. you know, helped decimate them. And, yeah. Uh, it, it 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 has really it's been up it's been down it's been all around mm-hmm. i've had you know identity issues identity crises should i be doing this shouldn't i be doing this what should i do where do i go yeah. now what do i do do i get an office job do i get do i go work in a supermarket like what do i do you know like yeah. what do i do with my life now and yeah. um you know because live music was what i lived for and yeah. uh my gig got five this year in October, is it really which, and it doesn't seem like it because i haven't been that committed to it at times but um, Over the last year, it's been hard to be committed to anything. It has, live music it has. Scene, but even so. when it was up and running, you know, I had bouts of, you know, uh, 
depression and stuff yeah. like that that would affect me but yeah you know i brushed off i carried on and, and sometimes it wasn't anything to do with mental health and it was because i was campaigning and right. uh, so yeah. that, that that had to take a back seat um well the two are interlinked aren't they definitely you can't have one without the other like you can't have yeah. a gig guide without the live music scene that you were campaigning for 100 percent. i mean it got to a point when we were doing the remember street thing which i know you're going to bring up later yeah where i was just sat there and i was i was just like i literally said it on one of my podcasts i think one of the early ones because it was quite early on because i started the pod the gig guide started june 2016 on radio cardiff right and then i did like three or four episodes and then um well just went through a little bit of a, a life blip where I was living at home with my mum still and our house got repossessed oh, and no. that's all right it's okay it's good yeah and uh, I, I basically was in a position where I needed to get more work I was freelancing with good hours at the BBC at the time working at Radio Wales and yeah. uh, with Horizons uh, but I needed more I needed more money and I needed more money, money quickly yeah. so um, I kind of jacked it in with Radio Cardiff because um, I just didn't have the time and then got a job just working at a call center taking calls about people's broadband and you know upgrading them trying to stop them from downgrading was oh, my right. job stop people from cancelling stop people from getting rid of their movies and stop people getting from rid of their you know their sports the packages yeah the yeah. extras yeah mm -hmm. and it was it was horrendous it was just a, one of the worst atmospheres i've ever worked in in my entire life mm -hmm. because it was really high pressure my mental health, which was still fresh to me at the time, had only been around a year properly that since I'd had like the blip, the splice, yeah. the moment, um, was, uh, yeah, that was still quite fresh. So that was only like a year on and I was still having regular panic attacks like all the time. Wow. And being in an environment where you're having a panic attack and you're not allowed to leave your chair. Yeah, <laughs> no. Because you're on the phone to a customer. Man, I lasted there probably about six weeks, but I got enough together to get a deposit to get somewhere to rent. Yeah, um, and you did a Cardiff. lot better than I did. I had I had a stint in a, a call center for Sky, and I yeah, lasted there we go. a grand I did, total I didn't wanna, of three days. Three days. Three days. Oh, okay, man. so I couldn't handle it. I was I was uh, yeah, depression so, and all. I didn't want to. I didn't want to name. I didn't know if we were naming brands or non-naming brands, but it was I Sky screwed. that I worked yeah. for. First, <laughs> first source, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the one I worked for was. At the bottom of Park Place, opposite the museum there. Oh, the yeah, corner. Yeah. yeah. I know they've got one in the bay as well, right? right I worked um, in the one in, um, oh, what's it even called? Cardiff Gate? Cardiff Gate, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So they got yeah. one in Cardiff Gate as well. But the one, yeah, the one I worked in, I was quite fortunate actually because it was a fantastic location, is literally on the corner of Park Place. So it's, it? if if you go the museum, you turn around, you've got the museum right in front of you. It's like yeah. right on the corner. Um, yeah, so yeah, it lasted about six weeks to two months there. Um, and then I just managed to get enough money and I just had a jacket in because it was just doing terrible it was just terrible yeah. for the mental health you know I've got and, respect uh, for people who manage to stick it out long term like I yeah. don't know how they do it like really it's... don't know I mean for some people some people love that some people yeah. love target driven stuff and, and they, they love that and that's great like yeah. you know power to you but for me I just I just couldn't do it and also they wouldn't like I was trying to get it to a point where it could complement my BBC stuff because I didn't want to drop my BBC stuff at the yeah, time. Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't really work for BBC anymore. I still yeah. do odd freelance shifts with Bethan and Horizons and stuff, which is lovely. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a BBC employee or BBC, even a BBC freelancer anymore. I mean, you know, I, really I brought in occasionally. I brought in off the subs bench, you know, when I'm required, <laughs> and I and I'm happy with that, the you know, sub. because. Yeah, the super sub. Well, at uni, I really wanted to work at the BBC. It was like my lifelong dream, and then when I got there. I was just like, 
oh, right, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. And um, I've met some incredible people through it. And I'm yeah. a massive, uh, like, advocate of the Horizons Project. I'm glad that I got to meet Bethan. I'm glad that I got to meet Hugh. Um, yeah. You know, but they're my heroes growing up, you know? I mm-hmm. When I was in my teenage years, like, I used to listen to Session in Wales. Uh, that's when I used to go to Newport. Like, Newport was, like, my stomping ground. I hadn't even discovered Cardiff right. yet. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I used to listen to that radio show, and uh, yes, yeah, so, so now I like be friends with them. It's just like you know, whoa, it's a big yeah. deal for me. It's pr- and, and, pretty and, trippy, I bet. Yeah, and so the BBC got me to that point. Um, yeah, but so so the gig guide. Yeah. But before we start, for anyone who doesn't know what the gig guide is, like, yeah. do you want to just kind of explain it briefly, like, like sure. what it is, the concept? It's it's still a very loose concept. I'm still yeah. trying to work it That's out myself. That's the beauty of it. Uh, yeah, well. Uh, yeah, so I, so yeah, the, the whole story behind how it started was I was working at Radio Wales and one lunch break, I got a copy of Buzz magazine. Um, we've been going here in Cardiff now for, you know, almost three decades. So power to them. They're well, yeah. great magazine. You know, they, you know, they're very well read, very well respected. Um, but I was just reading it on my lunch. And at the time, like winding the clock back a little tiny bit. When I was in uni, I studied in uni in Bristol at UWE mm-hmm. uh, for four years, retook my third year. There's a real reason for that. And uh, I basically, halfway through my first year, fell in love with radio properly. Like, oh. I went there wanting to be the next Kubrick. And I left there <laughs> so wanting to be the next... Did you study film, was it? I studied... It was called media practice when I signed up to it. Oh, okay. And uh, so I thought, great, it's going to be all different practices. You know, it's going to be... We're going to be going down, like, loads of different avenues with this because I still my college tutors said to me because I went to college went and cross keys right yeah so yeah. I'm a Blackwood boy I'm from right. Blackwood right for those oh, people nice. who don't know yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah so when I went to college went and finished my BTEC there my tutors were saying to me at the time like we just don't know what to suggest to you because they were having like one-on-ones with all the people on the course and saying you'd be great as a producer you'd be great as an editor you'd be great and then they come yeah. to me and because i tried to be quite multi-disciplined like with stuff yeah. and i wasn't really excelling at any different uh like particular aspect mm-hmm. of putting together a film or a script or whatever they just kind of said to me we just don't know we just don't know what to recommend just go for it and see what happens <laughs> so i was okay. like all right cool it was pretty big deal to me going to university. I was the first person in my family to go to university. Oh, wow. Um, nice, man. Yeah, which, you know, like, I grew up in a... a, a I come from a really poor background. Yeah. Um, my father's side of the family from Abtillery. Oh, and okay. uh, my mum's side of the family are from Blackwood, Blackwood area. Yeah. Um, and, and, and growing up was just, you know, it was really, like... It was, it was, it was challenging, you know? We lived... We had, like... My mum was on incapacity benefit for a little while and mm. job seekers, and then she was working for a little while, and things were quite, you know, tentative a lot of the time. And so there was never really any financial stability, you know. And yeah. uh, here I am, almost thirty-two, and I still don't have a driving license. Um, <laughs> there's there's other reasons for that. That's 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 not all down to my mum, by the way. But you know, you know, like when you get like sixteen, seventeen, your mates start like doing lessons and then get in a car. I couldn't. I didn't get any of that, you know, because yeah, we yeah, couldn't afford sure. it, you know. It's expensive as well, man. It's crazy. It is, and it is, it is. But back then, you know, I guess, well, I guess inflation, but, yeah. you know, it was, um, 
at the, at the time like we just could we couldn't afford that you know we could we could just barely make ends meet and make sure that the the you know the rent on the house was paid and yeah. you know there was some form of food on the table and Priorities, and and, yeah. and I and I you know from from the age of 16 when I left school uh I was you know my mum and her husband at the time said to me right well I wanted to go straight to college I really wanted to do drama um, all right yeah I don't know why but I just really did I just had a real thing of just being like you know i was i was the same at 16 man just eccentric and boisterous and yeah, very I animated it. i could see you on the stage yeah yeah very animated even when you speak when, yeah <laughs> most of my old friends uh, do still remind me of a time where uh i was at my year six leaving concert they like <laughs> asked us to do a leaving concert and i don't know why man but I ever know is like don't this this just in case now there are people listening to this who clearly know me and are gonna like <laughs> call bullshit on everything I say. I think it's very important that I'm transparent from the off. Okay, <laughs> so 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 uh, I've never always been a like a huge fan of music, right? Like right. my dad, I've had uh, up until you know, like like 2006, go before 2006, I've had a relationship with it. But it hasn't been as intense and as meticulous as it is now. Right. So yeah. my dad, when I was growing up, was massive fan of like the grunge scene, and okay. um, you know when I, I was brought up listening to Nirvana, I was brought up listening to Crash Test Dummies, nice. uh, to Reef, who yeah, wind yeah. the clock back like you know. 20 years later he actually met Gary Stringer at Tram Shed and he wow. signed an album for him my dad, that was there's the photo of the three of us which was lush like so I had Gary That's on the podcast and I told him the story my dad is quite an interesting type as well a lot like me very uh uh yeah very over animated and yeah. uh, very mouthy you know coming from, <laughs> coming from the valleys but growing up he was he had this massive infatuation of like classic cars Oh, okay. um, so he used to actually build them, sell them, but also own them as well. Oh, wow. So you can imagine, like, coming from a poor background, uh, rocking up to school in, like, uh, 1973 uh, Fireblush Red Thunderbird, Ford yeah. Thunderbird, to a, to, through those narrow lanes of Abitillary to Queen Street School. like, yeah. And he'd have the windows down and he'd be blaring, like, you know... Uh, reef, uh, you know, like what was it? Um, uh, I never loved you, babe. Yeah, yeah. I never loved you like that. <laughs> like, or crash test dummies, or Nirvana, or you know, uh, uh, fun loving criminals was another. Is it? Is another yeah. one. So that was kind of like my relationship. The Verve. He was absolutely obsessed with Urban Hymns when it right. came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so class rides to school by the sound of it. And he used to have like this Grundig stack. He still got it. It's a bit knackered now, but yeah. he used to have these like speakers that were like taller than me coming off the ground. And yeah, I remember you the know, ones, yeah. used to play up the neighbours by turning the volume up ridiculous <laughs> levels, you know. And uh, um, so that was like my the earliest sort of relationship I had with music I think was through my dad yeah. and those sorts of moments and being dropped off to school I always used to complain as well turn it down you know what I mean? like, turn it down and he takes great pride in reminding me that I used to do that then um, yeah switching the clock on a little bit then I guess my next sort of relationship with it was through my mum like my mum worked uh, up until very recently just before the pandemic she was a cabaret singer and oh, wow. um yeah, she used to go around all the clubs and social clubs across 
South Wales and yeah. West Wales and stuff. Uh, you know your Labour clubs, your Cons clubs, and stuff, and do covers. Nice, um, As, and up until like last year, like, what's that? With a band or kind of backing tracks? No, kind no, of no. Or? Just like no? she had backing tracks. Yeah, and, um, nice. It's it's, uh, it's interesting because up until the end of 2019, she wasn't even using a laptop. She was yeah, using mini disc. Wow. Uh, up until <laughs> yeah, <laughs> up until 2019. I can't remember the was, last time I saw a mini disc. That's amazing. Yeah. I, last week for me no I don't remember <laughs> but it, was, it wasn't long ago um, but yeah she was using minidisc and um, you know she really she she always used to say a laptop would make me sound shit and uh, <laughs> just wouldn't use just wouldn't use it so uh, yeah so then obviously when my mum started doing that as I flitted I don't know most kids I know kind of their parents stayed together my parents divorced at a really early age they're still right. friends yeah um but, you know, because of financial troubles or troubles or whatever, you know, I flitted back and forth my parents, both in Abtillery and Blackwood, a lot in my childhood. Right. Um, so, yeah, winding the clock on a bit, uh, when my mum started uh, doing the cabaret stuff in 2001, um, then I had a different relationship with music because she was listening to all this music at the time. And, um, you know, up until then, I'd kind of... De- I was... A- I was, you know, I was kind of like a, a passive pop fan. I remember my dad bought my uh, stepbrother a Pepsi Cola CD machine, like CD oh, yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. And in in 1997 I think early ninety seven, and we had uh, the Now CD, and I it, it had like Barbie Girl on it. Yeah, yeah. Steps, Bit deeper shade of blue, Aqua. Yeah, uh, Steps, deeper shade of blue. Um. Uh. Oh God. Bewitched. Uh, oh, yeah, Say yeah. la vie. Yeah, that was on there. Um. So up until then, and Spice Girls. I remember I got like took the piss out of loads in my primary school because my nan and granddad blessed them. Bless them. They bought me a Spice Girls wristband. It was like a leather Spice Girls wristband, and it was. I. I always remember it was like a luminous green with pink spice wow. written over it. And uh, yeah, I got the piss taken out of me for that. And I don't know why I liked the Spice Girls first time around, but I just did. I don't know why. I was a kid, man. I was eight years old. Do you know what I mean? Like anyone who says they didn't were probably lying. They were just trying to. Anyone who says they were listening to Nirvana full on from eight, you're a liar. (laughs) Because you were listening to what they put out on CBBC and CITV. And I won't have anything different. But. yeah, so anyway, so yeah, up until the point that my mum started cabreting, and that was kind of like my culture, just a mix of the grunge that my dad was listening to, but not really understanding who Nirvana were, not really yeah. understanding who the Crash Test Dummies were. Uh, and then the mixture of pop that was going on whilst we're in my leather Spice Girls wristband. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and then uh, yeah so then my mum started cabaret singing and she started doing like loads of stuff like my mum does crooner stuff she went as far back as uh, you know Matt Monroe she loved Matt Monroe but like Sinatra Dean right. Martin you know that sort of Classics, stuff yeah. um, but she was doing like loads of like um, 70s stuff that I'd never heard of before like deep 
purple right. uh, and um, uh, like out there stuff like ma- uh, like uh, Marmalade, oh, like yeah. Scottish band called mm-hmm. Marmalade and stuff like that. You know, she had a really eclectic eclectic mix. But then yeah. she also loved Joe Longthorn as well, who's like Don't this. Know uh, who yeah, he's like this English artist. I think he's English. He's English Australian, and he does, or maybe he's English Australian, and he does like uh, covers of other people's songs, really. But she loved, like you know, his like covers of them and that right. that sort of stuff. Joe Both of my parents collectively were massive Elton John fans, um, oh, okay. so I got a lot of Elton John as well. Yeah, um, Daniel, which is my actual name, uh, my for those people who didn't Pulling know back that. A curtain there. <laughs> yeah, well, some people don't know. Some people don't have me on Facebook. Go, is your name actually Minty? And I'm like, <laughs> and I always go, yeah. Uh, and then they, they go, no, I'm Daniel. They were, well, all right, okay. Or the other classic one is um, I always say, oh, my parents named me after Elton John, an Elton John song. And they go, what? Elton John had a song called Minty. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck's sake. Uh, but yeah, no, they were, they, they loved, yeah, they basically wanted, my dad wanted to call me Elton. And um, oh, yeah. my grandparents were ab- absolutely none of it. No, and my mum wanted to call me Levon, I think. Levon, I think it was. Yeah, which is another Elton John song. They oh, didn't want it? it. They didn't want it. So they settled on Daniel. Everyone was happy. Yeah, 1973 yeah. hit. Uh, everyone was happy with it. And then that's, that's basically stuck. So yeah, <laughs> I, I had a lot of that from them. A lot of Elton John growing up as well, which I've totally missed out. But he was present a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my mum did some Elton John songs as well, and uh, I think then like at that point, I started developing around two thousand. For me, when I was living with my mum, I started developing a love of wrestling. And, oh, okay, um, I didn't know that. I got into the Attitude Era probably midway through nineteen ninety nine, and properly picked up on wrestling. Yeah, uh, mid mid two thousand, fully loaded two thousand. I remember very vividly recording that from channel four to my nan's vhs player and it had a triple main event it was triple h versus chris jericho in a last man standing match kurt angle versus the undertaker and the rock versus dare i say it chris benoit um so you know less said about that the better but uh yeah so i started getting to wrestling now obviously wrestling at the time was in a very heavy metal phase yeah they had a lot of heavy metal stuff and as 2001 came around like Wrestlemania 2001 from the Houston Astrodome that everybody remembers so well uh, you know the rock stone cold headlining mm-hmm. out of there yeah. uh, the soundtrack to that was Limp Biscuit My Way right. and um, yeah. Limp Biscuit I picked up on in my in early 2001 and, and then started finding other artists like Papa Roach because they used Papa Roach in one of the one of their uh, pay-per-views and um, uh, uh, who else was in uh, Saliva and Drowning oh, yeah. Pool and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah artists like that um, <clears> so <throat> then I started getting in without realising I started getting into metal music you know, because I was watching stuff. wrestling and then if a wrestler comes out and like you know Saliva are playing or Drowning Pool are playing or Triple H then took on the Motorhead thing yeah, I think yeah. Motorhead actually played in they the did. Astrodome in 2001 I remember it. yeah yeah and Lenny um, was clean shaven for like the first time he was ever, he was clean shaven <laughs> yeah so they, they did do 2001 they did it in 2005 as well I think when they did when he was in Hollywood uh, I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. they did it then as well um, but I'm um, just going to take a sip of water yeah, yeah go for it man but uh, yeah so you know I didn't realise I was developing this sort of likability to metal music at yeah, that time through and, wrestling um, yeah. 
through wrestling yeah and then we'd like me and my mates would like you know i used to set up uh i always remember gavin and simon like i've I'm spoken to these people and you know well over well over 15 16 years but yeah. we used to like the three of us used to pretend we were wrestlers go down pont and Fryth welfare and we'd take a ghetto blaster down there <laughs> and i had like um i managed to get like an eight millimeter camcorder and uh, I used to film a PowerPoint presentation pretending it was like the the lineup of like a pay-per-view uh, yeah. <laughs> and we'd have all these different matches like D'Lo Brown versus Steve Blackman and in each of the you know in each of the um, uh, matches we pretend that we were them and use their moves and stuff yeah yeah, um, yeah. my mum used to go mental um, because <laughs> one time I pretended I was X-Pac and I set up we were living in Pentramau at the time. I don't know if people know where that is. It's not far from Newbridge. And I set up a step ladder on the fence yeah. of the of the Pentramau uh, gardens, put Gavin on it, and then I went, you know, did the yeah. suck it chop, run up to him, started doing a Bronco Buster on him, and I shit you not, bro, the ladder went bump and oh, broken no. off. <laughs> oh, and then I had to go back home to my mum with a step ladder, which opened out, and the first step went up, and the second step went down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there were good times, but yeah. Anyway, I'm digressing. You're no, gonna get amazing, that a lot man. from me, I'm afraid. Like, it's it's um, interesting that like the avenues that different people take into music, because mm. like I came kind of down the wrestling route as well, but then I no also way. came down uh, like the jackass route. And so, like, I, I didn't I, find Jackass until a lot later. No, so I think, like, I think uh, you know, I think the first early. time I watched Jackass would have been to late two thousand and three. Right. So it was yeah. a lot later for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't see it originally, and then my mates started doing it, and then uh, watching it, and then you know the next thing, and I'm sure you did this as well. You start pretending 100%, to be Steve O and exactly the same thing yeah we make our own tapes and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. and that yeah, introduced so that's, me to that's like what wrestling CKY. evolved to we were doing what's that sorry I was just gonna say, that introduced me to like CKY and him yeah. and all those kind of jackass related bands so yeah yeah I didn't never really got into CKY you know it's no? a shame no there's loads of people bro. I knew were really into them but I only heard the one song you know like the, the one that they used to use in jackass was yeah. it called but 99 bullets or something like that is it something called like that or no what's it called Called. What's like um, the main? What's the main uh, one called? Quite I still bitter don't beings know. Is like the what's it? Sorry, quite bitter beings. That's is, it. Quite yeah, bitter yeah. beings. Sorry, yeah, yeah. not ninety nine. I'm thinking of ninety nine. Love it's balloons. Like I think sixty nine. Quite bitter beings is is what the full title. Ah, he's a poser. He's a poser. Doesn't even know the real title of the song. Shut up. I know it's ninety six. All right, ninety six. Quite bitter beings is the full title of the song. Slip of the tongue. All right, Freudian slip. Probably. Please don't hurt me. Majira Brothers. Yeah. 69. That's why I had a number in my mind. Yeah, so yeah, there we yeah. go. 69 bit of beans. So yeah, that was the one I heard, but I never really got into them. I don't know why. I just didn't, you know, it's yeah. one of those things, it just didn't click. And at the time I was watching obviously still watching wrestling quite hardcore. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was taking in all the stuff that he was giving me. So through that I found like all of these like like 2003 for example in WWE which then changed to WWE mm -hmm. like you know the music they were using they still had saliva on the cards but they were using interesting new stuff like they I'm pretty sure they helped break, bring uh, uh, Evanescence bring me to life oh, really? bring, bring me to life Evanescence was the soundtrack 
pay-per-view soundtrack to No Way Out 2003 when Stone uh. Cold returned to face Eric Bischoff in a No Holds Bar match. Cool. My, my wrestling knowledge is brilliant between the years of 1998 to 2004. Yeah. You ask me anything before or after, <laughs> I'm terrible. But I can give you, I'm pretty good. Uh, like Someone said to me, oh, what would your mastermind specialist be? It would be that, because I'm pretty, that's period. like my... That's like my thing. I still rinse it now on the network, you know, and I just think, God, I need to grow up, but I can't. I just can't. You know, it's <laughs> so it's such a good can't time, and it makes you feel alive inside. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like these were incredible times. So yeah, Jackass two thousand and three for me, and then we started making Jackass tapes, and it was Jackass and wrestling, and Jackass mm-hmm. and wrestling. You know, nipping down Pont and Frith Sainsbury's and nicking a trolley and filming it, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. like getting in the trolley and having people push us over a pavement and mm-hmm. go hey we're wicked look at us <laughs> um so that was kind of like my yeah my my relationship with music there yeah 2003 like i say evanescence broken no way out and the, the artists like 12 stones trust company mm-hmm. seven seven dust yeah, yeah uh yeah uh metallica i found through 2003 because it was the pay-per-view saint anger was the pay-per-view oh, yeah. song for SummerSlam 2003 right. uh limp biscuit again um a, a trapped it was this uh, oh yeah it was like this band called trapped headstrong that was bad blood 2003 so i was just picking up all of these like yeah. you know sounds all my mates at this point like you know we're listening to like hard fi and your indie stuff but that didn't come till a lot later for me right. until about 2005 2006 yeah and i'd still hadn't gone to a gig yet i hadn't gone to any gigs couldn't afford it you know yeah yeah like say coming from a poor background just couldn't afford it couldn't afford it and maybe was arrogant to the fact because i didn't know at the time because i was too young how much it cost to go Mm -hmm. if i knew it was only four quid maybe i would have but my time didn't come to go to my first gig until 2006 yeah um, well, at, but, at the start as well, at least for me, like the the first gigs that you go to aren't often in like the smaller grassroots music venues, like the ones right, that cost yeah. four quid. Like mine, I've said it before, and I'll say it again proudly. My first gig was Nickelback in the Brilliant. in the arena, and fan that, of Silver Side Up as well. Oh, huge fan, man! You know, huge so fan. Nickelback for me again, it came through in two thousand and one, and it was all because of Chad Kroger, yeah. Uh, and Hero, you know, right. doing it with Josie Scott, like yeah, for yeah. Spider-Man, Spider-Man films. Man. I was mm-hmm. absolutely obsessed with that film when yeah. it first came out. Um, and I didn't know much about Nickelback. And then someone had Silver Side Up uh, in, in in that time and played it to me. And there was like two songs that still stick out to me now. Too bad, too late, yeah, yeah. some rise, some love. And uh, How You Remind Me, obviously, but How You yeah. Remind Me was everywhere. It was on mm-hmm. It was on the Now CDs, you know, it was a big deal. Like, yeah, it, was, yeah, it, it was huge. It, it was kind of like one of those, like, off-piste pop songs that existed. Yeah. You know, you always used to get them at the later end of the disc. You know, right. you'd get your yeah, Robbie yeah. Williams and S Club 7 at the top and then a little bit down the bottom you get your pulp and you know your yeah, yeah. Supergrass and your Nickelbacks yeah, yeah. I can't believe I've just grouped pulp Supergrass <laughs> and Nickelback in one cohort like. but uh, yeah. but yeah as I say my, my first gig came in uh in 2006 and it actually well I don't know if it was a grassroots music venue or not but you know it might be um the the, the whole thing is like when I was in school all my mates I remember my mate Collins at the time had like this massive mp3 player 
but mm. it was like it wasn't an iPod or anything. It was like a brick. It was like what like external hard drives look like <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah, so I got yeah. one here. So kind of like that. It literally looked like that. That was what his MP3 player looked like. Yeah. And I remember him saying, "Oh, I, you know, stores like." 20 30,000 songs and I was like oh my god wow it's amazing yeah. and he literally like had everything he was into like Block Party and Sunshine Underground and Hard Fight and the Future Heads um, and all stuff like that and I hadn't discovered any of that sort of stuff yet right um, my close I, I, I used to listen to Radio 1 a lot in 2004 2005 more 2005 when I was in my final year of leaving school um, and I remember Joe Wiley and Colin and Edith breaking Cigaros Hoppy Pollock. Oh, yeah. Uh, Man, you've got and a great memory for these sort of stuff. I, I, it's just, I it's just stuff that this. sticks in your mind. Yeah. It's just stuff that is just stuck in my mind. And, but like you know, the dates like, as well. I, I, I can't do dates. I would, I would never remember like what year this happened and stuff. Yeah, I mean, what's happened in 2017 and 18 and 19, you know, is a blur for me. But I can, <laughs> I don't know why. I guess I was, cause I was so hungry for it. And I was just yeah. like, you know, like I used to have like this little tiny crappy, uh, what, uh, what are they called? The Goodman's, Goodman's Radio, yeah. FM Radio that yeah. I used to just have, in, you know, in my pocket. I walk around and... Um, because I didn't have a car or, you know, my parents could, you know, didn't have fuel to take me places. So I used to do a lot of walking when I was a kid. Walk, you know, to my mate's house or walk to, you know, my girlfriend's house mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that, that I remember just listening to 2004. The bands I remember from 2004, because I listened to Moyles and Joe and Colin and Edith a lot during that time, were bands like Razor Light. That was when Golden Touch was coming out and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, the Thrills, a Northern Irish band. I don't remember. Uh, no. They used to have a song. They had a couple of songs. One was called "What uh, Whatever Happened to Corey Haim," and the <laughs> yeah. other one was called "Not for All the Love in the World." You probably reckon recognize probably "Not for All the Love it. in the World." Cause, yeah. What's that? If you played it, I probably yeah recognize yeah, it. Yeah, it's like "Not for All the Love in the World," but Maybe she not. didn't realize <laughs> that that's a lot of love. But then that that um. That uh, those song that particular song was used on like loads of programs for like you know it's kind of like light at the end of the tunnel but it's going to be a really rocky ride sort yeah, of program yeah, yeah. they'd use it for that mm-hmm. um, but yeah so that those sorts of stuff came, that sort of stuff came through in 2004 for me I still wasn't listening to Hugh and Beth yet um, and uh, yeah so th- like stuff like there was a really good band who unfortunately I think a member of them died that I picked up from that Radio 1 time they were really indie heavy were Radio 1 in yeah. like 2004 yeah for sure early 2000s yeah Colin and Edith loved it they lapped it right up and I mean Joe Wiley had everybody under the sun in the live lounge back then yeah as well. true and Man, those uh, live lounge CDs were great as well back in the day they were superb yeah. weren't they yeah absolutely superb loved them there was a band called Hope of the States they were called I don't know um, yeah, I don't know if anyone knows who they are. Hit me up if you know who Hope of the States are, though, on social media. I'd love to know because yeah. they, they, they were great. I think a member of them died and then they disbanded. Uh, but then that was like kind of like the... Yeah, that that was me starting to mature and then I guess is like the, the clouds dissipating, me getting towards that first step, which is my first ever gig. Yeah. Um, which was friends what? listening to Boy Kill Boy, you know, and uh, like I say, all, all the other block party, the indie sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, my first ever gig then. Um, I feel like okay. there should be a drum roll now after that kind of <laughs> build up. Here we go. What is the first gig? 
Yeah, okay. Uh, so my first ever gig was 18th of July, 2006. Even the day. Man, that's um, Yeah. I didn't just look at it on the ticket in front of me. <laughs> uh, I've got the ticket here because I I have it on my, I like on like a little desk underneath my monitor and I have it there just to remind me. Yeah. Just to remind me where that first gig was Word and that energy again. that I had after that first gig. Um, so it's there blue tacked up. But I, I would have remembered anyway because... Um, yeah, it was an interesting build-up. 18th of July 2006 in Barfly, uh, um, in Cardiff. Yeah, and it yeah. was a band that doesn't exist anymore. They've done a little bit, I suppose, but they were called Captain. Um, Captain. They're like a pop rock, art rock band. Oh, okay. Um, they've been in like EastEnders on the radio and stuff oh, like yeah. that. But I didn't know what I was expecting when I went there. I didn't know the band were or anything. Um, so we went and... Wait for it. We got the ticket. There's the ticket. Eh? There it is, man. Wow. Yeah. There's the ticket there. And uh, is it a 16 plus? So I, I was just, I mean, I was 16 at the time. Yeah. Uh, ID'd on the way in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it was fine. But I know they lied a couple of times. They lied They lied once again to a YAS gig, I think, in oh, Barfly. Yeah. And said they were all, I didn't go to that one, but said they were all like over 18 and none of them were, you know. Um <laughs> But uh... <laughs> but how how was that first gig then? Was it was okay. it because quite often, like the the times that you think are going to be these seminal moments and like the start mm. of a life journey aren't. Yeah. But sometimes yeah, they are. No. How, how was it for you? Yeah, it was the start of a seminal life journey for me. It was. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because um, I just didn't know what to expect. I remember we going down there and I I'd listened to the band, got kind of got a gist for what the music was, you know. Yeah. A lot of like. Uh, synth and um you know guitar and licks and stuff mm. at the time i didn't know what any of this terminology meant but yeah. like at the time you know i was just like oh this is quite groovy you know it's quite arty quite groovy um and on, on the way down i didn't know what to expect because i'd never been to a gig before so i yeah. didn't know where i was going what i was doing and it felt quite risque for me you know yeah, i'm going to sure. capital city with some friends i'm only you know my mate had only turned 17 i think he'd only had a driving license about three or four weeks you know <laughs> and we're going down there in his old Renault Clio. Um, I say old Renault Clio. I used to love the shape of the old Clio. Oh, the way that it, the bum used to go it. like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so nice. Yeah. Um, I always said that my first car would be one of them and still not driving. Almost still the They're still around. <laughs> yeah, it's still around. Yeah. I don't know how many are roadworthy, though. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, so, yeah, we're going down there. Don't know what to expect. We park in the NCP on west not westgate street on uh Greyfriars road yeah yeah um come out come round the corner down to the castle so i'm like oh where's butterfly then you know yeah. and down we come and then it's there opposite the castle yeah i don't know if people remember if you don't remember where barfly was it was literally on the corner of queen street you had the bank mm-hmm. and then you had the pizza hut pizza yep. hut's still there bank's gone now uh and then a few offices and then it was sort of like it was there next to a Sony. It was a Sony audio was, shop yeah, at the time. Yeah. It used to sell yeah, like speakers and CD players and all that. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know what to expect at all. So in we go through the door and I'm like, oh, where's the venue? Then you have to go down the stairs. It's yeah. underground? All the way down. Oh my God. <laughs> so down we go and there's probably about, oh, I don't know, about 15 people in there. And I, I, I don't, I don't know how to feel. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm feeling quite anxious at that point. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. don't know what to expect. I don't know if anyone's going to turn to me and ask me, you know, what music I'm into and all that, because I don't really know at the moment. I'm still mm-hmm. trying to find myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and uh, 
yeah, I always remember uh, we go in a Coke or whatever, and then first band comes on. There was one support, and the band was called Yosarian. Never forget it. They stepped up, and all of the music. Uh, do you know of a Cardiff band called My Name Is Ian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, very comical, mm-hmm. you know, very clever written words and indie. Yeah, that's yeah. what they were like. They okay. were like they were like that. They were like a a garish kind of like uh, 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 what's the word I'm thinking of? Colorful, comedic sort of band. Yeah, don't take the too like, seriously. You know, looking very, very, uh, very trendy with like you know brogues and not waistcoat. But like you know, they're very well-dressed. like, yeah, very well dressed. They reminded me a little bit of like a Welsh art brute, uh, and I came right. like years later going to art brute and Eddie Argos and stuff. Um, the only man I think that ever has ever appeared naked on the front of the enemy. I think I think he's really? the only guy. Wow. I think he still holds that title well, and still talks about that title. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, they kind of reminded me of that and. Um, the volume wasn't properly up for them, no. so I didn't feel, and I felt it, but I didn't feel un, like uh, what I was going to feel when the headline band came on. Yeah, then. yeah. So you know, intermission, have another coke, on come captain, first song starts, and I'm like, fucking, I had to hold on to one of the pillars coming down from <laughs> the from ceiling. the top. Yeah, yeah. Because the bass, yeah, fucking bass, and I couldn't believe it. My chest was like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, was like, yeah. oh my god, it was pumping up my mm-hmm. base. I, I, I immediately then like started feeling goose pimples on my arms, hairs on the back of my neck. I was just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Not the music, but like the just the atmosphere, the well, you said the, it. the atmosphere, but also like the, the I guess the sonic boom. Yeah. That was coming towards the feeling. Me, you know? Like you, that's yeah. the exact right word. Like you, you hear it obviously but you feel it like the bass Absolutely. drum in your heart I remember going to my first gig and my dad like warned me of it I went with my dad he was like mm. you're going to feel the bass drum like in your heart it's going to hit you in your heart I was like what? no way because like you listen to loud music at home or whatever it's just completely different you can't replicate it you can't duplicate that feeling at all no it's, yeah incredible yeah I think I'm going to get the same when I go back as well because oh, it's been so sure. long being away yeah yeah but um the uh, yeah the, the 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 I think the the thing I've seen that illustrates it the best. There's a scene in Scott Pilgrim versus the World yeah, yeah. where that that rush from a band to somebody yeah. is like portrayed, and that to me is a really good depiction of what live music is like, yeah. where it just you know rushes towards you. But it was just like oh, yeah, I had to for the first couple of songs I had to hold on to the pillar because I was just <laughs> like I think I'm gonna fall over. It was just so powerful, you know. I know it'd be yeah. an underground and you know probably an overzealous sound guy getting our master up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little nudge. The, yeah, it was yeah. just like, but oh man, it just blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. And then afterwards, I met all uh, m- most of the band like because I was just a bit of a fanboy by that point. I suppose I'd heard the records up until now. I'd spent had this relationship listening to the music for about you know two or three weeks before the gig and then when i got there and saw them singing the songs i've been hearing for the past two or three weeks i'm like oh my god now i'm seeing them they're yeah. singing these songs these, these are the, are the people, people. they've been singing the songs i've been yeah. listening to for the past two or three weeks yeah. so i was just like oh my god so uh yeah i just went over and said oh you know it's all right if i have a photo amazing gig and stuff and i still got it to the day the photos with them awesome. and um yeah so that that was that was gig number one that was the start um, Afterwards, 
my mate Aaron loves telling people about this. I was just full of energy. It was like I was, you know, like I say, I'm very overanimated, very bouncy, very eccentric. But I, I had that much energy. I was just like buzzing. I couldn't, I couldn't control myself. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I was just like, so I, I, for some reason, I mean, I was still 16 going on 17 give me a break guys <laughs> I, yeah i i just did like this massive sprint to greyfriars road car park like dancing around and kicking my heels in the air and doing jumps and just being a bit of a bell end to be honest um yeah. but i just didn't know how to get rid of all the energy i just had so much fucking energy in me you know yep. I, I was stood still for two hours just taking all of this in yeah. and then i just i just needed to you know to get it out somehow. release like yeah, yeah. um like they always used to take the mick out of me they took the mick out of me once so I can't even believe I'm saying this they took the mick out of me because if I don't like it's coming out like yeah. I can imagine them listening back to this and then commenting and just outing me for everything <laughs> so I'm going to be as transparent as I can uh, I remember once I didn't like the blackouts I just didn't I didn't not that I didn't like them I said I didn't like them but yeah. I didn't know who they were yeah, Sean yeah. Smith's going to hate me like fuck <laughs> but like I just didn't know who they were I hadn't experienced them so they basically made an emo <laughs> name band up uh, on Windows Media Player. And I think the name of the band was called Thanks All The Same, But We Don't Need A Name. That was the name of the band. They, like they just it. named it. But it was a, it was a blackout track. I think oh, it was right. Fashion Conscious Suicide. Yeah. And they, they basically named that track that, sent it over to me. I was like, oh, I fucking love these. <laughs> and... <laughs> It was the blackout after I'd spent ages like Sucking you into them. That's oh, amazing. You know, so like I, I have got ribbed for that, and I, you know, so my credibility hasn't always been there, been there in the past, and I am happy and uh, uh, comfortable being transparent about yeah, that. Embrace it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but moving on from that, I guess I just kept going to more and more gigs. Then, like two thousand and seven, I went so many, you know, like yeah. and uh, you know, I was fortunate enough, obviously won't mention the headliners too much but i do feel for the boys from the band but you know like the full ponty 2007 mm -hmm. what a lineup what yeah. an incredible lineup you know and what an incredible time uh, i was massively into the automatic because of collins and uh, i just love the automatic now this this is where things get really weird fast forward the clock to 2019 2018 i moved in here 2019 2018 2019 2018 moved into this yeah. place this house this is where it all gets really weird my landlord of this house, his parents, unfortunately his dad's passed away, were the old landlords of the old La Pub. No way. Yeah, James Lorison's my landlord. Really? And, wow. Yeah. And James Lorison was the uh, front house for the automatic. Oh. Which is just like weird. Mad. Man. That just blows my mind, yeah. right? And then when years later, when Penny left and Paul Mullen from your code name is Milo joined Paul Mullen lived in this house oh, no. with uh, with with James, and they recorded stuff in this room that I'm in now. <laughs> That's like crazy, it isn't is it? fucking mental. Yeah, that out of all the houses we could have picked to rent in Cardiff, we chose a house that had such a stemmed and steeped history with no prior uh, knowledge at all. Like you didn't know who no, the landlord no, was. No, not or at anything. all. No, I loved crazy. it because the thing that the reason I moved here because. You know, I was living in Pont Cana at the time, and uh, we came across uh, three of us, and we had a look in this in this house, and we came up the stairs and in through the door. And I loved this house because this is like a loft. I'll quickly show you, pan the camera around. So this is this is the loft. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, and I saw that. But I saw this staircase here, and oh, at yeah. the bottom of the staircase is another room. It's a room with a staircase in it. I just <laughs> fell in love with it. I was like, this is perfect. And I came up the stairs, and I went, oh my word, this loft could be my podcast studio. Yeah, yeah. Like, this could be it. This is it, you know? And we can get guests over, and it'd be sick. Could put a sign up on up on the brick, which I didn't have before, and it's there now. Like, oh, I didn't have man. that before, and I was like, oh, I could, you know, literally, we could make this look proper. Yeah. So yeah. I was still, I was doing my gig guide at the time, still. I mean, it was, it, it was going. Yeah. But it was like, it, it was, you know, it was still done in the bedroom and stuff and people would come over, but I didn't have any branding or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is the next step. Official. So we didn't know anything about the landlord. Yeah. And the only way I knew about who our landlords were is because I saw on a contract and I just did a Facebook stalk. I shouldn't have, but I just, <laughs> I, I had to. I just thought, I wonder if we know them. Like, yeah. you know, who are our landlords? Like, can we become friendly with them? Because we're going through an agency, you know? Uh, yeah, and yeah. agencies are lovely and great, but... You know, I've always dealt. I've in previous tenancies, especially at uni, I've always gone through landlord because it's right. better, it's nicer. Yeah. Um, agency still present, but always good to have a relationship and a rapport with your landlord. So anyway, Facebook stalked James and went and found that we had like thirty friends in common. Oh, we got fucking thirty friends in common. How, how, you know, how is this person mutual friends with James? And then I had a look on the thing, and I saw that um, that basically he used to be front of house at Club Evil Bach. So I said Crazy. to to Bethan, to Beth and Elvin, because obviously uh, Bethan's uh, um, uh, husband, uh, Richard, used to work in uh, in club. Yeah. Who's, who's James Lawson? And they were like, oh, I used to be front of house at club. I was like, all right. He was like, yeah, yeah. His parents uh, used to own the old pub. And I was like, you fucking kidding me? And then when I looked more into him and met him and he was telling me about the automatic stuff, I was like, fuck, I can't fucking believe this. Yeah. You can't write this stuff. It's mental. It's such a small world. Um, Weird. Mate, of all the houses we could have chosen to rent, we yeah. almost didn't pick this house and we went for another house over the other side of Roth. Um, I just can't believe it. Like, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. But but anyway, yes. Yeah, just so it's just really weird that Collins was doing all that. I go into the automatic, and then years later, I'm here with the automatic. You know, <laughs> I'd been for a long time. Yeah. Um. Still, still smell them now. I can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so full Ponty, like you know, that was big. I, I mean, 2007 was so prolific for me. I saw so many huge bands in 2007. The Used in the Solus. Oh, in the Great Hall, that was mad. Sort of the automatic and Viva Machine so yeah. many times there. And 2006, tail end, 2007, was when I started listening to Session in Wales right. with Hugh and Beth. Okay. Collins was listening to them, and uh, I just picked up on it. And I just, you know, that was it for me. I just started listening. And then, obviously, Hugh leaves and... Uh, you know, goes Radio One proper and yeah. takes over John Peel show mm-hmm. and the new music we trust thing, and uh, and Beth still keeps on doing it, and then and and then you know it takes all different shapes and stuff, and then I went away from it for a bit, and then I came back to it, and so it's um it's that's really where it started for me in two thousand and seven. There used to be a uh, a community operated radio station. I only did four shows on there as well called Voice FM. And it was run by a policeman. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, and he used to be run at a Newbridge memo. Uh, and uh, I did like four shows on there. And I was, you know, I was nuts. Like I it was like I couldn't believe it. Me and my my mate Reese did uh, a, a a show called Birra Shreddies. 
bitter shreddies, bitter shreddies. Yeah, yeah. It was like from nine in the morning till like eleven or something, and he'd play a song that he really liked. So he'd he'd play like Joanna Newsom and Arcade Fire, and I'd play Taking Back Sunday. It was like <laughs> such a weird ass like mix, and we only did it like three or four times. And I don't know why. We, I don't know why. I think it, something had happened because I would have done it for longer. I think it was just like over a summer period. They mm-hmm. only allowed you to do it like over the summer, and then after the summer, it was kind of like this. It's, we're done now they right. maybe had what's called an RSL which is like a temporary FM license uh, okay. maybe mm-hmm. um, but yeah it finished anyway after six four to six weeks yeah um, and then yeah and then and then I was away then man I was going to gigs all the time yeah. so they, they were kind of like the really early stages of that yeah and then you know going to TJ's and uh, you know going to the pub so when when did things kind of switch for you so we've talked about a lot about like you going to shows and getting excited by shows when did things kind of switch to you trying to get other people to shows getting excited about shows like yeah, recruiting people weird. to shows is there is there a switching point i mean it's a lot later yeah I, they, before that i i got interested in radio and and it, i always remember read in 2010 on i'd seen uh they'd broken or they put they had everything everything on the bbc introducing stage and i remember seeing hugh on the side of the stage like I could see him there and um, I was just like oh cool how, how good would it be I mean I was I was well into gigs by then I'd probably surpassed the 100 mark by that point I yeah think. Um, by 2009 if I was started three years prior but I just remember oh, how cool would it be to like watch a band from that side of the stage yeah, do you know what I mean yeah yeah it, it looked different but how cool would it be and they'd get to like chat and chill and stuff like that after and obviously I'd listened I knew who he was I knew who Beth was and both of them were comparing there. He was doing like the main stage of BBC introducing and Beth was doing the enemy radio one stage at the time. Right. And uh, I was just like, you know, my first festival was a year prior to that as well. Red in 2009, but I only went for a day and the red in 2010 one, we went for the full three days. Um, so then when I started uh, going to, um, you know, go, go, go into these festivals, and we're going to that festival in particular, and going to the stages and seeing people stood on the side, and all the other things that come with the performance. Yeah, you yeah. know, and the, the light, the sound, and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. I was like, oh, you know, this looks really cool. Um, and I just that that part of me just really it lit up. You know, it lit up, and I was like, oh, do I get involved in this? So much so, at Red in 2010, again, friends will never let me forget this. On the Friday night, Guns N' Roses were, were headlining. Yeah, yeah. And Axl Rose walked on an hour and a half late. And I kicked off. Like, I was yeah. proper kicking off. Anyway, the morning after Saturday morning, there's nothing really to do early in the morning. So you just graze around mm-hmm. the festival site, what's going on and yeah. stuff. And we went in the alternative tent. Anyway. <laughs> so basically we sat there this this thing's called instigate debate it was called i never oh, forget yeah. it my mates uh reese and uh no not reese Azzy had buggered off he's like i'm not going to this and he went to watch two-door cinema club play on oh, the yeah. enemy radio one stage we were very very low down the bill nobody knew who they were yeah then. yeah and uh i didn't know who they were then i wish i did because i would have been there as well yeah but uh i was on this uh it was yeah this instigate debate thing in this uh, in the alternative tent at Redden, and um Anyway, I sat there, and then they're chatting about something, and I can't remember what they're chatting about. I think Guns N' Roses did come up, or something. Or no, I don't know if they did. I can't remember what they were on about, Mm. like literally. But all I remember was, 
on the panel was one of the members of Baby Shambles, oh, yeah. the the couple who did Rage Against the X Factor and got them, uh, you know, and got that campaign up and running. Yeah, yeah. Steve Lamack, and I think it was either the editor or like a senior reporter for the enemy. Right. And Steve Lamack had to leave. He got up and left. Because uh, he had to go somewhere, he was doing something, probably six music like, related, like radio related, something, or something like that. He just left in in a huff. No, no, I don't think it was. I think it was left. six music related or radio related or something. Yeah. And I just, I just remember gearing up because I was so fucking pissed off that Axel Rose walked on an hour and a half late. I just got up. Is there any questions? I just got a microphone. And I was like, can people just tell me what they think of this like absolutely atrocious like showing like a shambolic like from Guns N' Roses and I got a stand not stand innovation because everyone was sitting down because they were fucked but everyone's there clapping I'm like what the <laughs> I don't know what I've just said I literally don't know what I've just said next thing we know the guy who's comparing it invites me up onto the stage never now at uh, this instigate debate thing and I'm sitting on a seat that Steve Lamack was sitting Steve Lamack had a Tuborg there because Tuborg used to sponsor Red in Festival yeah, yeah. and he didn't take it with him. So I had Steve Lamax Tuborg. I'm sat next to the guy from Baby Shambles. And then someone gets up and goes, uh, I wonder what the panel think about counterculture and if there'll be ever be another counterculture. You know, talking about like you know, counterculture mm-hmm. through the years and stuff and the punk scene and stuff yeah. like that. Everyone's given their answer. Now, I know nothing about counterculture for this time, mate. Yeah. I don't know anything. Do you know what I mean? I, I, and to be honest, I'm still learning. Everybody's still learning. But the only way I can describe the way I was there on that day as have you ever seen it when the cleaner gets accidentally asked onto the bbc news channel to talk about apple downloads no what this is a real you, thing that happened it's a real thing that happened no it's on way. on youtube you can find it there's a guy there's a guy called uh a guy goma um i can't remember uh where he's from but he he, he basically applied for a job at the bbc to be a cleaner mm-hmm. they thought his name was guy something else they thought it was him and brought him in. So they got a cl- guy who applied to be a cleaner for the BBC on BBC News 24 talking to the news reporter no about um, some sort of thing about, like, there was like a court case about down- illegal downloading. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, you know, people are downloading all the time. And, uh, and he just goes, you know, like, he, why he, didn't he, he say anything? He's like, bro, I only just because he was so nervous. You can see it in his face, though. Yeah, she says, Guy Cooney, that's it, Guy Cooney. It, she said, and now here with me is Guy Cooney. And as she says, and now here with me is Guy Cooney, look at his face <laughs> in that video, man. His, his bottom lip rolls in, and he does this, like, really, like, cutesy, like, oh, fuck, that's not me, like this. <laughs> Like into the camera, and then but he he, he nails it. That's the way mm. I was at Reading Festival. I had fucking no no idea why I was up there. Yeah. I had no idea what I was talking about, and I always remember I'm sat there thinking that I'm like fucking, you know, like, you know, like Steve. I'm I'm not, and I'm still not. Uh, but like thinking like I'm sort of like you know some form of music philosophizer. <laughs> And in walks oh, my mate from Two Door Cinema Club, sees me on the stage, and he just comes in with his head in his palm, like, "Oh, fucking!" Hell. <laughs> it was like it was like proper in between as bullshit, man. It was unbelievable. Ugh, and uh, so I got off stage, and I was like, "How did I do?" And they were like, yeah, "Do you want the do you want the the right answer, or do you, do you want us to lie?" <laughs> like, um, but yeah, being on the stage that that was quite cool. Like that did appeal to me. Yeah. And, even though I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about, and to be honest with you, in 2021, I don't think I still do. Um, <laughs> it just appealed to me that I was like advocating, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, 
and I guess it, from a really early on period, I guess that was one of the switches. The other one for me um, was in uni. Um, so I went to uni in two, 2011, studied media practice, as I said, at UWE, and uh, did the degree for about two months. And then it came to the December, and my lecturer was like, right, basically, I also have to put another disclaimer in here because I understand that this person I am about to talk about has come under a bit of contention recently, okay. not advocating him at all. Yeah. But at this point, nobody knew anything or whatever, and... He was just an older guy who wore tracksuits. Mm -hmm. Tim Westwood was doing a talk at our uni. And at the time, he was doing Drive Time BBC Radio 1 Extra. And they basically said the radio station at our university, didn't even realise there was a radio station, so my ears pricked up, (laughs) um, are doing like this talk with... uh, Tim Westwood from 1 Extra, they've organised it for him to come in and talk to people about radio. Right. If you're interested get along so i did i went and uh went to the um i need to set the scene now in 2011 i had hair longer than yours oh yeah down to my shoulder here and it was bright red nice it was yeah i <laughs> dyed it obviously yeah, i got into like dyeing my hair in the emo phase yeah. and then i just couldn't let go do you know what i mean and i really <laughs> didn't let go until like 2014 and i thought okay I'm approaching 25 now. I should probably think about doing something with my fucking life. Um, so, yeah, so I shaved it all off. That's another story for another day. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was long red air. I was there and watched the talk. And he articulated himself incredibly well. You know, I'd only known about him through, like, the Pimp My Ride UK yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, of course. You know, the infamous, like, <laughs> all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, he was in a tracksuit. And, you know, he was in his late 40s then, I guess, early 50s. And he just articulated himself very, 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 very well. Another person who was there at the time was, um, oh, I can't remember her name. I want to say, maybe it was Adele Roberts, who then went on to, like, do Radio 1 and stuff. But she, at the time, was doing one extra and was there with her, with him, sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so, yeah, I just thought, oh, this is really cool. What an avenue. You know, I've come here to do film, but radio is a possibility. And then he, at the end of this talk, he, they said, uh, oh, t- just to let you know as well, Tim is doing an outside broadcast today Hello. from the uh, university bar here at UE in Frenchay. Um, come along if you want to check it out. So I thought, well, nice. I'm here now. I'm at Frenchay campus. There's no point in me going back to Barrow Ashton, which was the campus I was on, which is like the other side of Bristol by Clifton Suspension Bridge. Right. I may as well stay here and check it out. Yeah. So I went and got some food. And then, you know, the show started and I just stood there like watching, you know. Now, obviously, when you're looking for content for a radio show and you have a guy with a beard (laughs) and long red hair down to his breastbone stood right in front of you, you know, that's a money bag waiting to happen for a radio show, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, it didn't take him long. I think it took him about 25 minutes before he clocked me and he came over and was like, "Uh, who are you? And I said, I'm... And I literally, man, I still got the clip and it's cringe to this day. Like, I literally went something like, My name's Minty and I'm from South Wales! Thinking I'm on, like, fucking family fortunes. And it was so cringy, bro. Oh, my God. 
like the things I've done in my past. This is why I mean I gotta be transparent about these things because if I just hide it all and say I had, a, I had a brilliant upbringing and you know like I knew all about music from a really early age, it's all coming out in the wash. Get so it's it. really important to just lay it all on the line. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I was so he was like, uh, look at you with the long red hair, baby, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And he's like this with his like elbow, like nudging me in the ribs whilst he's got the mic in his hand. Yeah. And he's uh, he says, uh, so then. Uh, how often do you wash your hair? And I said, uh, two, three times, which is how I used to do it. I didn't used to wash it every day. I used to wash it two, two or three times once every three or four days. So once every three or four days, I'd wash my hair two or three times, if that makes sense. What, on the same day? Rather than, on the same day. Yeah, I was weird. I don't know why I did it, but I did it. That was my thing. Uh, Fair enough. Tresemme, Tresemme, everybody. Oh, yeah. um, but that's what I used to do. That was my thing. Uh, so I said, you know, I do it like wash it two or three times, once every three or four days. And he's like, no wonder! And you can hear like the background, you know, like that classic, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so nice. Everyone does that. And he goes, no wonder, no wonder the girls don't want to get with this boy. Look at the split ends on this guy's head. And he's ribbing me like that. And I'm like, fuck it, I'll play along. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, um, and, and he brings the mic back to me. I was like, can I mention the brand? Because I'm going to go, I'm going to say fucking Tresemme now on <laughs> Radio 1 Extra. And he went, the brand of your hair is long red hair, baby. Uh, anyway, so that was basically it. It was like 20 seconds. You probably never remember it, but it stuck in my mind and was most certainly the splitting point for me. Yeah. Because what happened then was I was like, here's a guy. People love him. People looking up to him. People seen him speak. I mean, obviously, like, I'd heard Hugh and Beth, people loving them and texting and stuff, but this was my first face-to-face sort of experience of this happening. Yeah. And uh, I was like, he's playing the music he wants. Like, you know, he's basically saying what he wants. This is fucking great. Like, I need the soapbox. And um, at that day, uh, the radio station were doing sign-ups for people to sign up. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to sign up. Yeah. I'm going to sign up, I'm going to do a show. And I signed up that day. And my first show was February the 9th, 2012, which I was gutted about because I almost uh, started it earlier, but they didn't—they they weren't ready for me. And I, I used to do uh, every Tuesday, five till seven, and they weren't ready for me yet. And um, basically, I'd had an interview set up with M83. Oh, M83 wow. were playing Trinity. I didn't even go to the gig. I've still to this day not seen M83 live. They were playing Trinity in Bristol in January 2011, uh, January 2012, sorry. And uh, yeah, I, I, I had an interview set up with them. I thought, fuck it. Why don't I start with like, just get interviewing people, yeah. you know? Let's start speaking to people. So, what, so I thought, was that oh, an interview for, for the gig guide or for the radio? No, the gig guide what? didn't exist then. No. It was called, back in the day, I don't know. I just couldn't think of a name. It was called the Mth Degree. The Mth um, Degree. The oh, Mth like Degree. It. So it was, it, it was like an M. My mate Tudor at the time in Union Halls, in, I'm still following to this day, amazing illustrator. Like, absolutely incredible illustrator. And he knocked me a logo together. Right. I'll send it to you later. You can yeah, see it. Yeah. It's basically an M, like an old scribe M. And... Uh, Coming off the left-hand side of the M's, my red ponytail. Oh, okay. Um, nice. I didn't know what to... We just, we just didn't know what to do. Do you know what I mean? We didn't... I didn't know... I didn't know radio. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I didn't know what to call it or whatever. So I thought, what can we call it? We're in uni. We're doing degrees. 
you take something you when you use the term nth degree is when you're like taking something to like the the nth degree mm-hmm. you know you're taking yeah, it to its ilt yeah. to its apex so i thought fuck it we'll call it the nth degree if it can be n it can be m yeah and the m will be minty obviously yeah because i'm fucking proper narcissist <laughs> uh you know i'm like 19 and or 20 and i think the fucking world no i'm a bit older than actually i think i'm 21 and i think the world's at my feet so yeah anyway uh so yeah i just thought wouldn't it be cool to just talk about what's going on in bristol in a very loose gig guide style way yeah so i just you know would interview the band uh, either before normally be after the before their gig but normally would go out after their gig Mm -hmm. and just be like oh how wicked were these you know how wicked were these people and um yeah, so I almost had a, an interview set up with M83 uh, at Trinity. Well, I did have an interview set up, but then I had to cancel it. I couldn't believe Sacrificed it. Sacrificed um, it. Gutted, mm. man. It was unreal, man. Um, but I carried on with that format every yeah. week. I was searching for kind of a way, really, really early small version of the gig guide, yeah. kind of every way. So at the who's start, playing, who, oh, it was, playing was it? It was, it was what's coming up. No, no? not quite, not quite. It hadn't fallen we into were playing, that yet. We were playing music and I'd have a feature with an artist that had played, that played or were playing in Bristol that week. Right. Um, normally it was the other end purely of the way to set it up because everybody wanted at the time to do in-person interviews. Yeah. Um, if I got the interview and I'd normally have to interview them before the gig obviously my show would then come around the Tuesday following and the gig had already happened right yeah yeah um, but yeah everyone was like <clears throat> quite keen and eager to do it and I was just seeing all these bands come through like why is nobody on our radio station interviewing these bands because no one on our radio station was interviewing these bands no. I was just like we can at least try yeah. so I did I just start banging out emails and my first interview on my first ever show was with um, an electronic band uh, from London called Still Corners. I think they're still going. They used to get a lot of six music play. I don't know what's happened to them and if they've disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, but I, I was in the do. Louisiana in Bristol and I remember shaking. I did my first show on that day. Uh, was it? Did my first show? Yeah, I did my first show on that day with no interview and then their interview was on my second show. So that's right. So I did the show. Then I went and uh, interviewed them. Uh, in the Louisiana right. and it was just incredible they were so lovely so welcoming um, and I always remember one of uh, you know I used to ask all the questions that everybody hates because I just <laughs> you know I didn't know what I was doing you yeah. know like what your influences all this sort of stuff you know yeah, yeah. not conversational at all it was all very set questiony right. and it was like that for some time because I was learning yeah. obviously but it was just nuts like the sort of bands that I was interviewing sort of artists I was interviewing just artists now who are household names yeah but but at the time were on their way up yeah you know like Django Django is a really early one oh, that wow. I interviewed yeah. I interviewed them in the cooler used to be on Park Street in Bristol um, that was mental and then at that day this is this is where it gets really weird uh, that day um, I interviewed them they, they said oh where are you from and I said oh, I'm from Wales from Blackwood and Wales ah oh, Wales they're like our favourite ever gig was in Wales and I was like what yeah. are you kidding me where and they were like we can't remember the name of it but it's kind of like a Welsh word that we can't like put together and I was like oh I know the name of it because basically what had happened was in 2010 I lived in Cardiff for a very short spell with my girlfriend at the time in uh, Liberty House the big tall building yeah, yeah. opposite the atrium mm-hmm. and I used to walk past Guildford Crescent a lot to get the train home to Blackwood oh, from Queen I see Street where this is going. they were on yeah, about yeah. they were on about Goody Who yeah. and I'd, I'd seen it 
but I'd never known how it was pronounced yeah. at that time. I'm quite happy and comfortable to say that. I didn't know how it was pronounced, but I always just remember there used to have loads of parties that were bunting out at the back, yeah. and I could always smell like barbecue going on in there. And I never went in there. I never went in there. I was always too nervous to go in there. Same with soon. Same with soon as well. I remember in 2007 when I was peak emo phase, the first soon festival getting announced. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I should go to this because I don't know, like, if you go speak Welsh and more if you have to speak Welsh at right. the time I you know I, I I passed it a long course but I I wasn't fluent and I didn't know if it like if I'd fit in that crowd so I totally just wrote off the first soon festival and I didn't go to soon then for seven years Never. the first soon I actually went to was 2014 dim soon wow. and um yeah, so like I'd gone past Goodyhue sometimes. So I'm there with Django Django, and they're trying to articulate this place name to me on tape. And I've still <laughs> got it somewhere uh, on one of my hard drives. And uh, I'm like, oh, I know it. I know the name of it. I can see it. You know, is it by the bridge? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they'd, funnily enough, fast forward in the clock, when we did the Goodyhue campaign, Toby Cameron from On Par Productions, who, used to, who started cutting his teeth as a filmmaker right. there in Goodyhue used to film all the festivals and nights and stuff oh. and I've, we've got the footage of Django Django playing never there. that's cool in, yeah in in, uh, in 2000 I think it was 2010 so yeah. it wasn't that long long before that they'd played there 2010 2011 um, but they were on the up and up yeah. but I mean like yeah like um, uh, who else they interview Lucy Rose when Lucy Rose was on the up right. and up uh, who else? The nineteen seventy five wow. when nineteen seventy five was on the up and up. Yeah, yeah. two thousand and thirteen. That was in the Exchange in Bristol, and the Exchange had just opened. It hadn't been open long, and uh, yeah, I had the nineteen seventy five. And their daughter, that was an incredible interview. Did them in awesome. St George's in Bristol, yeah. and it was smashing down with snow. <laughs> and St George's on Park Street, and I'm like climbing up Park Street, slipping everywhere with. <laughs> audio equipment in my pocket yeah. bowling for soup i interviewed obviously they were very well established yeah, yeah. but i i managed to get an interview there and i thought this is you know it's amazing um darwin d's you know i was like doing all these like really cool out there artists yeah. one artist who i tried so hard to nail down and i had two arranged interviews with them and the first time it got cancelled because i can't remember why maybe they were arriving late and the second time it got cancelled because they got nominated for mercury prize was alt j oh, and wow. uh, i had two interviews with them and it got cancelled i had an in i had an interview with bastille and that got cancelled oh, the ones that uh, got away yeah the ones that got away but they, they were loads that i'd interviewed churches were one i interviewed you know uh, like i yeah. got them on the up and up and now they're like you know household names yeah so it was it was really cool to do that and then i just did that for you know 18 months or so and then i got really into my radio station i was like i really love radio yeah. like really love it and so i went i don't want to do my degree anymore but i don't want to leave uni yeah. i don't want to leave uni because i'm loving the extracurricular stuff mm -hmm. but i don't want to do my degree anymore yeah so i applied uh, i just went i'm gonna I'm going to go for station manager of the station. So I did. I went for station manager, got elected, and then was the wow. station manager for Hub Radio for a year. Awesome. And uh, basically parked my degree. I was still registered, and I was still paying my tuition fees, but I wasn't passing modules right. because I was too busy running my radio station. Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, basically I just really loved this, like, uh, transmedia type thing that we used to do we, at the time radio one visualization was on the big it was on the up it was around 
wasn't quite Greg James on a wrecking ball time, but it was it was get it was getting there. Yeah. And uh, Chris Moyles, I think a year or two before, had done the fifty-three and a half hour radio TV marathon. Yeah, I remember. Where they had him going out on the iPlayer and out on radio at yeah, the same yeah. time, and that really appealed to me when I saw that go out. I was just like, oh, this is really cool. I think I watched quite a lot of it actually. Yeah. Um, and I'd been a fan of Moyles since, like I said, the Goodman's Radio days, two thousand and four, with yeah. the. Uh, with the radio, but anyway, so yeah, so that that's that's kind of really where where it then became more serious for me when I started running the radio station. I started really getting into radio, and then I started not only wanting to do it as a pastime. I was like, I really want to make this as a career. Now. I really want to go into radio and yeah. start. But I was on a filmmaking course. The course had changed over time. It went from media practice at the very beginning to then when I left, it was called filmmaking, and it went through this transition. And unfortunately, just the the resources for what I wanted to do weren't there. You yeah. know, in t- 2014, when I left there, I did my dissertation. I got two two for it, and I put so much effort and work into it. I, I did a I did a dissertation on uh, uh, radio visualization. So many people at the time, I remember there was loads of articles saying radio's gonna die because streaming's here and all this sort of stuff. And 2021 was still here, and they're still getting decent listening yep. listenership. Um, obviously it's decreased slightly but it's still there yeah um but yeah it's just kind of like radio visualization could save radio you know i did this thing of like so many people saying radio are dead but radio one are currently reinventing the wheel almost and and their spots by doing radio but also doing visual to it yeah you know because they they, around that time they brought out innuendo bingo right uh, where they had like the two water uh, cups of water and they spit mm-hmm. it over it's each other. It's almost like more really... visual than audio. That like it doesn't yeah, really ra- make really, sense. Yeah, visually, yeah. you know, pleasing to watch. Yeah, um, and they were getting massive hits, man. Like they were getting millions and millions and millions of views on YouTube. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, yeah, so like I put a load of effort into that. Uh, I got invited. I on the off chance I messaged the person had a visualization radio and I said oh, I'm doing this dissertation is it alright if I can just interview you and next thing I'm no, I'm on a train up there to top top floor of <laughs> new broadcasting house to speak with him Wow! and uh, it was nuts toured me around Radio 1 it was a Sunday night never forget it Jamila Jamil was doing a chart show yeah uh, and I was like this is fucking mental wow. like I'm in I am in Radio 1 right now top floor this is crazy and it was it was you know then it became more serious for me um and then the way I got to Radio Wales from uni was just again just complete fluke complete fluke <laughs> where I in my last year of uni but well, like at the time I said now you know film degree not working radio where I want to go don't know how I'm going to get there the SRA who I must mention the student radio association who was just so incredibly supportive of me when I was sort of you know developing and trying to find what I wanted to do I used to go to all the conferences and all their away days and all that sort of stuff said in one of their panels if you know you're looking to get your foot in the door get and volunteer for the radio academy's radio festival where all the big oh, yeah. bods go every year it's like a conference they talk about radio and stuff like that and uh, so I, I always remember I was in one of the edit suites in uni I called them up and I was like, oh, I, uh, I didn't know what, where to email, but I'm just calling just to see if I can vo- volunteer. I just become a volunteer at the festival. I'm, I'm a third year filmmaking creative media student here at UE Bristol. I'm just wondering, like, you know, if what there's, the you know, if there's any scope or anything I can do. Yeah. And they went, oh, you're a filmmaker, are you? And I just like, you know, wind the clock back to my 
instigate debate days. Oh, I'm a philosophizer. I can do anything. <laughs> when I literally just turned to the person I was on the phone. I'll never forget it. Caroline, her name is lovely woman. And I went, oh, do you want to film? Do you literally just went, do you want to film? Do you <laughs> next thing I know I'm on the way to the Lowry in Manchester with loads of media kit and I'm heading up a crew of like eight volunteers who also wow. have interest in film or audio recording and we're filming the radio festival and i'm interviewing people like fucking john humphreys from the today program mm, and uh wow. like all our oh, mate now speaking to people who embody and personify radio is very cool yeah so of all the radio lot that went there radio wales was there there was a guy he was the he, he was he is and he's a good friend of mine now he's the old uh, station controller for radio wales a guy by the name of steve austin's um, people used to, call, used, to, used to say neither the but you always used to say my name's Steve Austin's neither the wrestler nor the bionic man <laughs> obviously as an old school fan of wrestling we bonded straight away yeah. like he wasn't but I was and I saw humour in it and we were just chatting he was like oh where are you from and I was like oh I'm from Blackwood he's like no way I'm from Tredegar I'm like yeah, we're in Manchester you're from Tredegar I'm from Blackwood yeah. chat 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 and I was like oh mate you know like the session in Wales stuff and obviously I'm like talking to him about that because like I don't know if he was controller at that time, but that was a really pivotal program that I listened to, and Bethan and Hugh and stuff, and we were all chatting about this. And I was just like, I just you know, he's, he he was seeing what I was up to, and I was filming stuff, and then interviewing loads of people. I just kind of said to him like, you know, if there's ever any work experience, please let me know because I've it's my dream. I've always wanted to work at the BBC, yeah, yeah. you know. And this was in October 2014, and. Uh, around that time as well I went and volunteered at my first soon festival because I kind of yeah. thought I want to get involved in music more now you know I need to know what's going on in my local area and if I'm going to be going back to Cardiff or Blackwood at some point I need to know what's going on locally yeah. so I put an application in thinking I'd never hear back to soon festival and John Rostron and uh, Adam Whitmore got back to me and uh, well I don't think Adam was high up there then I think it was just John and James yeah John got back to me and said oh can you come down to this volunteer meeting? So I went down. It was in the Castle Emporium on Mumbai Street. And, um, yeah, the rest is history there. And I just, they just took me in, you know. Yeah. And I went from kind of like volunteer to venue rep and, you know, and then on and on and on. Yeah. And that was around the same time as that radio festival. And then basically I tried to do like this big, huge project in 2015 as my final major project for uni. But because, like I said, what I wanted to do and what I actually wanted to do just fell apart. I had a mental breakdown. I walked away from it. I moved back to Wales in April 2015 with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, she said, oh, just come back and live with me, you know? And yeah. I was there for a couple of months. And I'll never forget it, man. It was like, it was literally, must have been 10 days with me, like, washing my hands with uni and like, what the fuck am I going to do with my life now? Where am I going to go now? What is it now? What, what do I do now? Uh, within 10 days of that, and then I get an email through my inbox. And I thought someone's having a joke, you know, Steve Austin's. And it was, I was like, some, and it, it wasn't a BBC email, it was his personal email address. And I was like, someone's made this up. Because I told loads of people that I went there and you know me, man, I'm a mouthy boy. I'm telling loads of people yeah. all this stuff's going on. Yeah. And I was like, he, uh, he, you know, it ain't him. Someone's, you know, one of my, one of my mates is taking a piss. Oh, yeah. And fuck, it fucking was him. It was him wow. saying, oh, I know you're really busy with your degree, but we've actually got a bit of work coming up. Is there, you know, when it's convenient for you, is there a time you could come down and get inducted? 
obviously I'd walked out on uni. He, I didn't want him to know that. Yeah. So I wanted to work at the BBC, right? Yeah. So I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to fucking tell him this. So I was like, oh, actually, I've got a lot of downtime at the moment because like, uh, I've done all my work and all this sort of stuff. No, a lot I of walked away from uni, all Steve. All the like, downtime. <laughs> So I just basically was like, uh, oh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm free, kind of, really flexible at the moment. So I lied to them for about three months and said that I was still in uni when I wasn't. That's just hiding the um, truth. Well, I guess and I ended up working full time on full time hours for them. Yeah. You know? And um, yeah, so that's that's that for me is really how the BBC journey started. Yeah. Didn't meet Beth for at least a year or so after that, but I'd see her around the office, and I was always so nervous to go up to her and say hello. We'd met once at an SRA day thing and I'd just always been in awe of her, you know, from the session in Wales. Like, oh my God, that's Beth and Alvin. Yeah. That is Beth and Alvin right there. And I, I was really just like immersed in the radio world and the music world and that sort of thing. It just really appealed to me. So then we get to the massive diversion. I've probably taken an hour and 25 <laughs> minutes to answer your question. Like, what is the gig guy? Yeah. Like, where did that come yeah. from? And then that came from being at Radio Wales on my lunch break. And I was working daytime, Alary Sean, Wynne Evans, Jason Mohammed, And they were doing all they could at Radio Wales to not talk about Cardiff, right? Right. Because... It's based in Cardiff. We can mention Cardiff. Mm-hmm. We can talk about Cardiff. But the moment you get Cardiff, 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 it's like, oh, yeah, but it's only because they're based there. Yeah, yeah. Why are they not covering all the Wales? Mm-hmm. So they used to go out of their way, which is fair enough, to make sure that they were covering all parts of not Wales. Cardiff centric. We should. We yeah. are. We're Wales's radio station, mm-hmm. you know? So I get it. Um, so, yeah. And at the time, I, I was going to gigs, but I couldn't, I wasn't finding out that well like where stuff was what was going on and i was missing out on stuff in fact i think there was a gig that one of my mates said oh do you, do you know this was going on i was like fuck i didn't i didn't fucking know that was going on and um i was on lunch one day picked up a copy of buzz magazine and reading it reading it and then i get to like the back pages and it says gig guide hmm. uh and I'm, I'm reading it and it basically was just listings listings of all the venues what was going on and they would say stuff like, uh, you know, Danuo, Dempsey's, yeah, yeah. Th- 15th of March, uh, 2016, uh, 7pm, £8. Yeah, yeah. And I was there, I was thinking, I was just like, okay, but what what did Danuo sound like? Who is Danuo? Yeah. I know Danuo now, it's Tom Mason from Wrexham. Who is he? What does he sound like? Mm-hmm. Why should I go? Yeah. And I started asking myself all these questions. And then the light bulb just came out, I was like, I should do a show because I'd I'd been by that point I'd been working back backstage Radio Wales for a year and a bit and uh, I'd done all the backroom stuff and I missed being on air I missed my student radio days I missed talking you know articulating myself Uh, I missed that and I watched other people doing it and I was learning stuff like what Larry was doing what Wynne was doing and what Jason Mohammed was doing I was watching the way they were questioning people and I was looking at the way the producers were being really immediate with the information and news story breaks bang it's out there it's gone yeah. you know and that was inbred into me as a broadcast assistant because oh god you know we better get someone on the phone get them on the phone quick why are you not getting them on the phone quicker <laughs> and it was really really like amped up yeah. and um so, you know, it was good for me in ways and it was negative for me in others. And I'll mention the negative aspects later. Yeah. But the yeah, so basically, like I'd learned all this stuff and I was like, I'm itching to fucking go, you know. I'm, I'm here 
I wasn't living in Cardiff at the time. I was still living at home, but I was going to Soons and I was going to gigs here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not as frequently as I did when I started the gig guide, of course. But I was kind of like, there's there's a moment here. I should do something. So anyway, so yeah, basically I pick it up. It says gig guide. And I go, well, what do they sound like? And all these questions were coming in. Plus the missing of radio. I was like, what do I do? How do I get on the radio? BBC Radio Wales clearly not going to give me a spot or a show. Of course they're not. Um, they won't, you know, and they still want to this day because I'm not fit into their demographic. I, I, you know, and they've already got people for that. They've got Beth and they've got Adam Walton. Yeah. They've got the people who are really good at it and better than me. Um, so what do I do? How do I get my voice out there? What do I, you know, where do I go? So I remember speaking uh, to Ed Richmond, lovely guy. He's head of music at BBC Radio Wales. And he was like, I mean, why do you think about Radio Cardiff? I was like, what's Radio Cardiff? He was like, it's um, <clears throat> community radio station runs out of Grangetown. And I was like, oh, no way. So, you know, Cap and Ander go to Radio Cardiff. And I'm like, is, is you know, can I join? Yeah. And they were like, we've got a waiting list as long as our arm. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. I was like, well, look, you know, if ever an opportunity comes up, let me know. I'm full of energy. You know, I bring, I bring a lot to the table. Yeah. Like, let me know. We've well, got a so pretty decent resume we... by this point as well, surely. Well, like but but the thing, but you know, there's a resume, and there's a resume. Do you know, yeah. there's always people who are better than you, and there's always people who are more suited than you are. I guess. So I yeah. wasn't expecting, you know, stuff. I was eager, but I wasn't expecting it. And so, uh, you know, I, I think I waited about three months. Reese, his name was, lovely guy, messaged me on Facebook and was like, "Hey, spots come up for you." And I was like, "No way." And he was like, yeah, he was like, right, but there's a couple of caveats here mm. at Radio Cardiff. I was like, okay. And he was like, caveat number one, we're a music black origin station. So you have to feature music of black origin in your programming 70%. Oh, wow. You can't okay. just come on and play indie. Yeah. You, you know, you can't. Like, we're a musical black origin station. We're based in Grangetown. Yeah. We, we are, like, uh, serving the Butte Town community. Right. So I was like, okay, all right, fine. He's like, number two, caveat number two, you're going to get an hour. 12 till 1 on a Saturday but halfway through your radio show you have to have a session and I was like okay he's like because the previous show before you they used to have sessions on yeah so I was like okay oh god what am I going to do and he and uh, so so th- those were the caveats and so basically I was thinking I was like I've got an hour there's got to be a 20 minute session I'm going to have no time to talk yeah and then it just came back to me the buzz thing the thing I was thinking of the gig guide hadn't clicked guy. by that point yeah, yeah. and I was like there it is why don't I do a was on of Cardiff on the radio? I can do that in an hour. I can pick six things that are happening across the week. And one of the artists can be a local artist that's performing in like your Dempsey's yeah. or your Porters or your Moon Clubs. And they can they, the they can come down and do a session. They could be the session. Yeah, yeah. And then I can mix it up. I can make sure I'm covering all boundaries and make sure I'm covering all genres. Mobo, you know, indie it's all going to be covered because I'm just going to go in and I'm just going to mix it all up and pick and literally just like a pick and mix oh I'll have that one and I'll have that one yeah. and I'll have that one you know mm-hmm. so that's that's how it started and I, uh, so June it was early June 2016 uh, and I did my first show and it was uh, a really good band they're called Big Thing now uh, they've oh, changed yeah. their spots a little bit they, they've just uh, got a release on Pop Deep Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll never forget Jen. I always, re- I always remind her, and they always remind me. Uh, they were called Wintercoat at the time. Right. And uh, Jen and Daryl, who used to be in the band, came down to uh, 
uh, to the studio and did a session and I did my first six picks and it was the same weekend that the first festival of voice happened uh, okay. in uh, in the Millennium Centre and all across um, and that was the first one and then I did that for like three or four weeks and then obviously I explained at the beginning family home got repossessed mm-hmm. I had to find somewhere to live yeah. and then I set up in Pont Cana and then it didn't take me long then October 2016 I brought it back and I was like radio had surpassed by that point because I mean I'd left them at the lurch and they had every reason to say you know welcome back yeah I'm so grateful that we've actually made amends since and the people who run it you know are very supportive of me yeah um but but you know I was like well what do I do so I had in fact I'm gonna get it to show you just two seconds yeah no worries I had this microphone (laughs) and this audio let me put my cans on because I can't bloody hear you (laughs) Yeah. I had this microphone and I had this audio recorder. That's amazing. And I was just like, I got this. Yeah. I just do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't even know what podcast meant. Yeah. You know, because what I thought podcast was wasn't what a podcast was. What did you think it was? I was talking and I was just sandwiching songs between oh, between okay. between the uh, between my links. I was doing links and then sandwiching songs between it. And I did that I literally right up until the end of doing them, which was like 2019 sometime. Um, and uh, anyhow because I thought you know that's what I did on the radio show you know mm-hmm. you talk about them and then you play them so people can hear what they sound yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know that's a really important thing yeah. if I'm talking about like you know buzzard as they were called before they were buzzard 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 mm-hmm. like you you know like you say it and people go, well, how did, what do they sound like well unless you play it they're not going to hear yeah. it you know so you say oh they're playing and oh my god you know they're like literally like you know T-Rex incarnate and 1970s you know lavishes and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, so like that's that's basically how I started. I in in October, I again like this isn't this isn't that story. In October 2016, it was two or three weeks before Soon Festival. Um, I thought, right, I'm going to go now with my guide and start my podcast up. I'm going to it's going to be a podcast. I'm going to go with it. Yeah. And I was speaking to John Rostron and James Chant. They were like, yeah, and Adam Whitmore, and they were like, yeah, this is great. It's a really good idea. You know, you need to do it. Cardiff needs it. It'd be great. So, um, yeah, so I basically went, oh, who's playing around this week? And Feeder were playing Tramshed. They were oh. doing, I think the album they released was called All Bright Electric had come out at the time. Yeah. And get in touch with the press agency. Oh, I'm starting this big new podcast for Cardiff. <laughs> uh, you know, blagging. Well, PR do it back, though, exactly, don't they? Come yeah. on, it's, everybody knows the sh- bullshit it's sandwich a two-way you street. get. They do it. They are, oh, you know, how are you doing today? Oh, where was it? And great. Oh, by the way, can you play this? Can you talk about this? Uh, you know where it's like. Yeah. So I called, I, I messaged, I emailed them and I was like, look, got this podcast I'm starting. I'm hoping that, you know, it's going to really take off here in Cardiff. And um, just wondering if Grant was available for a chat. About, yeah. You know, hope, what's essentially a homecoming? I mean, I know he's from, you know, Newport, really. And the yeah. outskirts of Newport, but it's a Welsh show. Exactly. They're very true to their roots. Mm-hmm. Just wondered if. You know, you'd be up for it, and it came back as a yes. I couldn't fucking believe oh, it. That wow. first show, yeah. feeder. Uh, uh, it was, it was, it was rigged with technical difficulties. Was it? I did the, yeah, I did, yeah, I did the interview in the old turnstile where um, turnstile management, where soon were based. They said I could use that office to record. Right. Because at the time, I had another job as well. I was working as the info, one of the info point people in St David's Shopping Centre. Oh, okay. And. Um, so I went there on my lunch break to record the interview and basically like I had a panic attack during it because I was so like nervous. Yeah. Um 
Grant Nicholas doesn't know that, but I did. And uh, also, the internet was dropping. Oh. The internet was dropping, and we was we were, I was recording it on Skype. Yeah. So every time I was speaking to him, I'd ask him a question that I'd written, and he'd be. Eh, 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 I've eh, been there, eh. man. I know exactly. And the I only feeling. managed to salvage three minutes of it. Oh no way. Um, so yeah. Feeder, we're on my first podcast, but only for three minutes. And he was he was pushed <laughs> for counts. time as well. He had loads of stuff on, so he couldn't stick around, you know. Yeah. But but yeah, so my first podcast had Feeder on it, and then that was it. A way to go then, yeah. you know. And uh, every week or every week or thereabouts, I tried my damnedest to get stuff out, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is my six picks for this week. This is why I'm saying my six picks are for this week. This is why I'm saying my six picks are for this week. And I kept doing it every every week, and then you know. I didn't know when it was going to end. I didn't know why I was doing it. I knew I was doing it because I loved it. Yeah. And but it was the the real passion and flair and all the commitment really started coming in like in 2017 at the beginning of 2017 yeah. when Dempsey's closed. Right. And um, it was an important place to me because when I told you I signed up in 2014 to go do that Soon Day Festival, they stationed me in Dempsey's uh, and I was okay. in there with Adam Whitmore that was the first day that we met yeah. <clears throat> and uh, basically it was just like a, such a special it was just like such a special vibe I got that day Martin Carr from the Boo Radleys played in there and uh, Kian Kiaran from the Furries headlined and uh, you had Troubadour play and uh, it's now Aku right um, yeah yeah uh, you know and it, it was just like it was just like just magical man it just felt magical just like be feeling empowered and the sensation that i felt all those years back at barfly but now with artists that are from up the road you know it was uh and and most of the artists who play soon are you know a lot of them are local you know so yeah, the, the fact that you're getting you know empowerment from people who are local but super local like i mean super local like you could have a beer with them afterwards and they'd hang around and watch other bands yeah. it's like you got like a real sense of empowerment from that and um that's why i was just i was just devastated when it went you know and uh when it closed or when they announced it they were they told us i always remember the actual day uh we were um i'd been asked to do some merch for because soon also had like a partner company back in the day with club they right. were called Sound Nation. Okay. And um, they used to put gigs on in club. One of the gigs they put on was this rapper from America called Watsky. And I got brought in to do his merch. Right. Uh, and I did his merch for him. And then afterwards, Adam said, oh, do you want to go to Dempsey's and have a have a Guinness? I was like, oh, fuck yeah, okay. Yeah. So we went there. And then the guy behind the bar was like mentioning it. I was like, what do you mean? Like, like oh, yeah, we're, it's not good. And um, and then obviously what happened happened. Yeah. And then, then it became really serious for me then because I just been sitting there just talking about gigs and I never really thought about oh what about the people who run the venues and you know but it was just kind of like when Dempsey shut then you know I just kind of become more about just talking about the gigs for me and then I yeah. started paying real attention to the lives and the actual uh, the, the, the lives and the actual kind of work that really went into running a grassroots music venue and yeah um, the nitty-gritty exactly and then yeah. i took uh, this is the actual this is this i think this is the same thing that i interviewed you on you know i think yeah i recognize this <laughs> <you saw> it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, that's the one but yeah I, I took this to dempsey's on the closure of it of, of, on its on its closure the final night it's yeah. a local band called railroad bill were headlining uh, okay. and um 
Johnny Cage in a voodoo groove played a thing. Jay-Z's Hopeless oh, nice. Sinners, the yeah, names yeah. like that. And uh, I just basically went, you know, we got to do something. This place has been open for years and years and years, you know, so I've mm-hmm. been told. So I just went there with my microphone um, on the, it was February something. Uh, and I basically just went, let's do a line. Like, you should raise a glass to Dempsey's because, and ask people to finish the sentence. So I used to yeah. go around and say, oh, can I talk to you? Like, can, can you just tell me, like, you know, can you just say you should raise a glass to Dempsey's because, and then say why? And so I did that with, like, about 15, 20, 25 people and then put... Um, What's the name of the uh, uh, Elgar's? Uh, what's it? It's like a classic thing that they use at the coronation. El- Elgar. What's the name of the fucking thing? Elgar. Nimrod. Nimrod. Elgar's Nimrod. It's, you'd know it if you heard it. You'd know yeah. if you heard it. Yeah, they. Well, play it's a piece it. of music, is it? It's a piece of classical oh, music. Okay, yeah. I see. But they use it. They use it like the coronation and trooping of the color and stuff like that. Oh, uh, okay. Um, basically, I put that underneath everybody saying you should raise a glass to them because and during that time as well I came really friendly with Catherine Luxton who was like one of the was the landlady there and you know I'd been turfed out by a brewery by Brains Brewery um, the home that she lived in the place that she worked she had to find a new place to live she had to find her and her husband and, and the two sons had to find new places to live new place new places to work all because Gareth Bale had done a deal with Brains, or Brains had probably asked Gareth Bale. Gareth, there was a deal that was made where Gareth Bale yeah. was basically going to open Elevens, mm-hmm. and they wanted to do it there. Yeah. And um, that was it. They owned they owned the pub. They had they they were well within their rights to do it. Doesn't yeah. mean we'll have to agree with it. I don't no, agree with exactly. it. I still don't cool. agree with it. But yeah. you know they well within their rights to do it. It's their property, yeah. so they did. And that really then brought a whole new perspective for me onto what these places not only actually mean to us as people yeah. uh, but what they uh, what they stand for but what how fragile they are the fragility yeah. of it all yeah, and how yeah. thankless it is you mm-hmm. know like, taken for granted oh 100% you know yeah. like Le Pub on this podcast you mentioned Le Pub like yeah. you know I don't want to bad mouth my landlords they obviously did what they had to do in order to continue in life they yeah. sold it on then that whole fundraiser thing happened and then thankfully got relocated in a city centre yeah. I never went to the old Le Pub um, but you know from what I've been told from people whilst it had like an element of um, uh, endearment to it, the new space mm-hmm. is actually much better suited to Le Pub it is. in a lot uh, of ways Yeah, in a lot of ways so you know like that is um, to me that that's that's great but you know like as we're on the Le Pub, uh podcast like must mention Sam and Matt and you know the just the sheer gumption and effort behind Sam and yeah. you know like all she puts all her might all her strength everything are all being into the venue yeah. and you know like I know that now but in 2017 when I was just talking about gigs I was very, again, very naive to all of that and also the fragility yeah. of it and how thankless it is, you know, and how, yeah, how these people just go day by day just to do whatever they can to empower their local community, to give something back and to create a creative and vibrant safe space for people. I think yeah. that's 
that's so commendable and you know sure. like i'm so glad we have independent venue week and stuff that i now know about didn't really know about then um in 2016 knew about it in the 2017 times not 2016 uh, and, and you know the music venue trust to highlight these things because like you know i feel they've gained more prominence in my mind maybe that's because i've exposed myself to them over over the past like you know five or six years um or you know, or they've just gained more prominence and more traction because more places are closing. Yeah, yeah, probably. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Like they're definitely doing work and they're campaigning and they're putting on more shows and bigger shows and yeah, they're yeah. getting places as well. Absolutely, because sure. there's more traction for it because so many more places are being torn down. Yeah, um, and you know, like just yes, being uh, you know, seeing that perspective of just the fragility of it and how everything can go in an instant. And you know, 2017, really the beginning of it, was tumultuous for Cardiff's music scene. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Dempsey's went, then mm-hmm. the Moon Club upstairs. They couldn't afford to keep the lease on both, yeah. so they sold it to Bootlegger. Now I got nothing against the Bootlegger at all. Lee, the guy who runs the chain, there's only three. I think he's got one in Bristol, one in Swansea, might have one in Cornwall or Devon somewhere, oh, uh, in Exeter yeah. or something, and then go one right. year in Cardiff lovely guy wants to do yeah. everything he can to help you know to help the music scene which is brilliant that's what you want yeah. i don't mind chains if they're like that you know yeah, i want to help sure. i want to empower great yeah. you know and he, i don't know if he hosted your ox jam but he has hosted yeah they have used him for hub festival he did the year after mine yeah right. yeah he was one of the venues then yeah yeah because the, he wants to be involved he wants to be mm-hmm. involved doesn't really understand live music as much as the other venues maybe yeah. you know but he wants music in his venue, whether it be jazz or blues, you know, which suits the, uh, the you know, the, what, what, what do I say, the mise-en-scene, the, you know, the yeah. atmosphere of the of the build, um, mm-hmm. what he's going for, uh, uh, or, you know, like supporting local local talent stuff. He, like, he's a great guy, so they, they couldn't have found a better person to palm that off to, um, yeah. you know, but that was a blow, like losing the upstairs in the moon. It was, you know, oh, and, and, sure. and then, you know, fuel, like weeks later like get start getting excuse me fuel weeks later start getting noise uh, abatement notices it was a real like domino effect in that period wasn't it it was just one after the other it was unbelievable from the council and then uh, well during all that one I completely missed over the course of that Christmas a plan application got snuck in by the gatekeeper to build a hotel to install a hotel above uh, the Weatherspoons gatekeeper on Wombie Street uh, so that was all going on. That maybe, you know, contributed to qu- quite a lot of factors. Then, as a result of all of that, then, uh, the moon went bust, or the people who were investing in the moon went, yeah. this isn't viable anymore, this is very risky, we're going to cash out our chips now, and did. So the moon shut for about three and a half, four weeks. Um, I'm glad that that happened, because what happened was, you know, uh, Grant at the time, who's now no longer there, but you know Liz and Carly and Tommy mm-hmm. got together yeah. and went right then, fuck them up the sleeves come, and out come you know the gumption of these Let's people, these incredible people, just going, yeah. they're not gonna you know we're gonna do all we can, and then they fundraised I think it was like fifteen or sixteen grand, like uh, in like a two week period, and had yeah. the money to get the lease. It's just it was just a, uh, that was an, that was an amazing positive story that came out of it. Yeah. But then alongside, and they're still there now. Importantly, as well, they like, are. It's, it's, uh, the original investors thought it was risky, and it probably was risky. But they're making it work. I think like, they thought it was risky. I'm not defending them at all, but yeah. obviously must have thought it was risky because they were so 
much of that stuff going on Dempsey on the then street. upstairs yeah. moon then fuel getting noise abatement notices you know mm-hmm. then gatekeeper all going on and then like the creme de la creme which you know was just kind of like right what are we going to do now to stop this domino effect was the the proposed development to build flats next door to Club yeah. Bach, you know in, yeah, the, yeah. in the build there and then it's just like boom you know so I followed this because again I'm working at Radio Wales at the time Radio mm-hmm. Wales are not covering it they're not covering it whilst I was working there, which is fine. Because, again, they don't want it to be Cardiff-centric, blah, 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 blah. Mm. So I followed it from the moment Dempsey shut right the way through. And yeah. um, I was speaking to uh, to Ewan and Alex, who started the Save and Wimby Street campaign. And I remember speaking to them on the phone. And I said, boys, like, you want to do a march? You want to announce a march straight away? Because if you don't announce a march, someone else is going to do it. Because loads of people were fucking fuming about this you know what I mean and what you don't want whilst it's you know it isn't helpful but it's understood I get it is three or four different individual communities protesting in three or four different individual Mm -hmm. communities because what happens then is if that happens then the message becomes very diluted and convoluted and maybe like the right key messages are not being addressed yeah too many um, cooks. Yeah. Yeah. So I said to them, look, boys, you need to, you know, you need to get out there. Like people, like, because they had loads of people sign up to their petition. So many people, they had thousands and thousands and thousands. And then, like, I was like, you need to, you need to arrange a date for a march right now, like, and get it out there. And so they did. And it was April 27th or 26th, 26th, 27th, uh, 2017. But during all that time, I just followed it, like, every week because I was sat there doing a podcast talking about gigs going on in my area. And I was very conscious, especially after the Dempsey's debacle, that like, I'm why am I sitting you, that why am I sitting down doing a podcast telling you what's happening in our city when all this is happening in our venues? I can't just ignore yeah. that. I can't be blind yeah, yeah. to that. It's mm-hmm. so you know, it's so it has so much of an impact on what I'm doing. So every week I'd sit down, and there'd be something different. I'd interview the Save uh, Womanby Street campaign, or I I did like a 15 minute documentary where I had like Beth and Elvin come on, and I had. Uh, feel come on i had john rostron talk about it and like create like a like a right well you know where, where you know where are we going i had joe stevens come on i uh, spoke to her and said like what can we be doing about this like what you know what can be done right now to yeah. stop this and um yeah so i followed it through i had fuel on to talk about the noise notice and i just went into great depth like what does it say you know like you know when the moon shut i i had maddie jones on who talked about like you know the disgrace that she felt like that it, this has happened and stuff and you know really questioned the the value of music like is that is yeah. the value of grassroots music dollar signs or a pound signs or is it a different kind of value you know and i brought yeah. up real contention because loads of people were like hey you know you can't force me to pay five pound to go see a grassroots artist and other people were like what do you mean we can't force you you should like if you're gonna pay like five pound and like loads of people were like batting horns <laughs> over it so i yeah. just followed it right the way through and um then you know the boys like uh ewan and alex and the campaign team just you know because i'd been following with them and you know trying to get the me- help get the message out there as best they could said to me like we'd love for you to to say something at the beginning of the march i think you got a big enough mouth to <laughs> to to, to, <laughs> to say something off. yeah so i yeah i that was when i got up on the bootleg balcony and just kind of wrote a very jeremy corbyn-esque speech <laughs> i can't remember what i wrote now 
yeah. guards in a book here somewhere. Uh, loads of people have said to me ever since, like, what I did that day was just, like, so important. And uh, that's really kind, like, but, you know, I just... I I just basically was just like, look, I got a mouth, I got, you know, I got a bit of brashness about me, and I want to speak up for people who can't speak up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I need to be fucking recognised, and actually need to be saying, what you're doing is absolutely incredible, and we should really, really, really be investing our time, our money, and our energy into you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just yeah. like Sam, just like Sam. You know, like La Pub yeah. is an incredible space. Um, you know, I I, I I've always tried to bend the rules because i was always like uh, very when i first started the gig i was always really militant i was like is this the card well, what if i start talking about me- newport is that gonna really like get on people's nerves like i'm starting yeah. to talk about newport but now i just fuck it like at the end of the day yeah. la pub is part of the south wales collective yeah and yeah, just because exactly. it says cardiff on the end of my thing i'm just a gig guide and i will talk about la pub and i am gonna go to la pub and you know if la pub need support i am gonna support them yeah. you know um so you know like i i've got so much love for uh you know people like sam people like liz hunt people like adam and gitto and elan and cat at la pub and tommy from the moon and you know dan porter from porters people you know and, and genevieve and the people who work in these places i could go on and on and on there's so many yeah. names i could say someone's gonna say oh what about you know ethan and richard at tiny rebel there's so many people there there's is a coll- yeah, there's yeah. a collective of like 150 people who really like roll up their sleeves and like you know fucking what we're gonna make something happen <laughs> in these we're gonna make some some activity happen in these cities and it's only when you see uh, you know, it's only when 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 that happens, where people roll their sleeves up and go, you know, we're going to make a difference here, and we and and they do, and then the power see them, they start to take notice. Nobody yeah. wanted to know Club Iverbach, no, or the exactly. Moon, or anything like that before the Save a Member Street campaign. I remember Which is really seeing, sad. Like, it is, it, man. You have to get to a a, a point of crisis yeah. before people sit up and take notice. You don't know and where it's, it's got it's, to it till it's gone, right, Joni Mitchell? Yeah. And it's the been thing the same is, during the pandemic as well, like yeah. with all the music venues kind of being in real dire straits financially. Yeah. Nobody, nobody sat up and took notice until the doors closed. Until yeah. like we realised this is red alert. Like that we we might not survive this if something doesn't change. You know what I mean? Sure, I think nobody's quite sweeping. There are definitely people out there who care. I think, but you, I, I get what you're saying. Like the general sort yeah, of consensus yeah, yeah, of is like there's not a, you know, yeah. you, you, you're passive people, and they're the yeah. people who sometimes are really important to whether you make or break. You yeah. know, and, but not um, even the passive people already. The people in power as well, like the people with the money, the people who make the big decisions of 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 whether things kind of survive or not during absolutely. a pandemic. Yeah, like there's, well, until the the um, CRF came out. Like there, yeah. there was nothing. The, yeah. We weren't going to survive it. No. And uh, it's only recently that the link was made between grassroots music venues and the, the massive artists that actually do bring in all this tax revenue to the Which com- I don't understand country, you know why I mean? that has yeah. taken so long for people to put one and one together no. and go small venue, small room, artist small, artist big, artist yeah. big venue. <laughs> Where, exactly. where, where are they coming from? Oh, it's primary just, school level. Yeah, they, it's they ridiculous. Just, they just, I will. I will give a. I. You know. I don't know what the MPs are like in. Uh, in 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 Newport, but I I I I know. Uh, I feel like Sam has mentioned in the past that they've been quite supportive of the pub. But I just want to give a shout out to uh, Joe Stevens and Kevin Brennan. Uh, you're yeah. in Cardiff. Ke- Kevin Brennan is Cardiff West. Joe Stevens is Cardiff Central. Who've just been like you know, um, like 
so supportive. Take away Labour, to be honest, because I don't, I don't like playing party politics. And I said this during the last election. I just, I encourage people to go and vote, and then loads of people call me a Tory because I wouldn't <laughs> say that I was voting Labour. Um, but even though I was spread all across Joe Stevens' campaign material, saying vote for Joe, she's great. Take away the party politics. Joe Stevens and Kevin Brennan for me, like you know, whatever party. You know, even yeah. I can, I'm gonna say it. I'm so sorry, but even if they were conservative MPs, right? Yeah. If Joe Stevens was a conservative MP, I'd still vote for her. And why? Because she cares about the music scene. She mm-hmm. avidly cares about. Her. She cares about culture. She sits on DCMS. She fights for South Wales music. You know, uh, yeah. uh, you know, for Cardiff music. And she keeps her eye across Wales to see what's going on as well. Obviously, she's Cardiff Central is a constituency, so she's got more of an eye on that. Mm-hmm. But you know, she fights for it. Kevin fights for it. Kevin stands yeah. up, and they they fight for it, mate. And and you know, so they could be any party they wanted to be. You know, like yeah, they they care. They care. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 you've got sometimes step take a step back from the party and just look at the person. And, and uh, you know, sure. again, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying like vote conservative because <clears throat> like that'd be daft because I I would ne- I never would but I might if it was them because right. they care about the music you know yeah yeah and so that's that and they've campaigned and you know mm-hmm. it isn't just like false fake caring this is like Joe Stevens who will message who has messaged me in the past like three o'clock in the morning discussing grassroots music venues you know because she can't that's sleep amazing that yeah. is what you want from True someone who's care. representing you in yeah. your constituency you, you so, nailed it on the head when you said that they care about culture. And I think it's not always that music venues are included in this this term culture. No, like it's it's quite often your, yeah. your theatres and your operas and your ballet and stuff. Why is it exclusively that? Why our kind of music and uh, Woman Be Street and Goody Who is definitely one hundred percent, almost indisputably a part of culture and Cardiff culture. Because it's still got quite a bit of tartness to it, isn't it? Like tart yeah. in terms of like sa- like a you know like a sour sweet sort of taste mm-hmm. to it. it it's um i think like the the recognition that it deserves has hasn't been there and because it hasn't been there people are just like oh it's a toilet you know it's like a place yeah. where people go no but that's what people that's how people have viewed these places and i yeah. i really that really frustrates me like no end you know because actually yes yeah, so it's not all glitz and glamour and you know maybe the toilets aren't the cleanest in the world and they've got stickers everywhere uh you know like but you know at the end of the day that does not define what goes on in those venues and in yeah. fact the dingy toilets like tj's let's talk about tj's toilets right yeah. holy shit <laughs> tj's toilets i never went into the ladies but the men's by the bar well i just it was so like train spotting I saw him. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I got real train spotting vibes in there. Yeah, but that's yeah. fine. Like I don't, yeah. don't mind it because you know, like you expect it, and that doesn't, like you know, like that adds to the character of it, you know. But some people just look at these places and think, oh, they're dingy, dim lit, you know, buildings. This got a, they got a particular potent smell to them of like <laughs> sticky do. ale on the floor oh, and this that smell. Oh, but get fucked. That's yeah. part of the character of these places. Just because, you know, just because the motor point gets the floor polished every fucking week or whatever, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who cares? These yeah. places are so important. These rooms are so important because without them, 
without and I love the nooks and crannies about it. I love the fact that oh, you know if someone in Goody Who needed to go for a wee and needed to use the female toilets, they'd have to. I mean, you know, should have been uh, gender neutral, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's up for another debate. Mm-hmm. But you know, had to go like past the stage. Through the crowd, out through the side door, and then up the stairs. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it, I love the challenges of that. Like, it's yeah. great. It makes it more fun that you've got yeah. to like clamber over people for go for a fucking wee. Find you know? them for a start. Yeah, yeah find them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, like, there, there was this. There was this clear view, I think, for a long time, and I think it still exists, uh, of what these spaces are, and it's up to us really as people who love them and advocate them and you know pushed it for them to do well to say no fuck you these places yeah. mean everything these places mean everything to everybody you know i get i get so emotional over it because it's it it, it really is you know time after time after time you see success story after success story after success story making it in these places and then getting bigger and you think fuck yeah. if you take this away not only are you taking away these spaces so the musicians can't do that but you're also affecting the community you are yeah. destroying a fucking community mm-hmm. when they got rid of Dempsey's they destroyed they didn't destroy a community but they definitely diluted it there was a big blues scene out of Dempsey's there was a blues night there was a jazz night there was a folk night those yeah. nights had to find somewhere else to go some of them didn't exist afterwards mm-hmm. you know yeah. and it diluted those communities that went well fuck it there's no point now you know and some people anymore. were like that yeah. you know um, and then you know, so like the the whole 2017 thing was just like it was a tidal wave of emotion, you know. It was kind mm. of like up one minute, down one minute, up one minute, down one minute, and then when the march happened and stuff, and it was around election time, and promises were made, some of them were kept, some of them took years to come to the surface, and you know, it kind of happened at the right time, really. Uh, yeah. Whereas you know the Guildford Crescent campaign, which which followed uh, a couple of years later in start of 2019. Yeah. It wasn't at the right time. It was very much in the middle of everything. And uh, whilst we had a groundswell of support, and, you know, I'm still humbled to this day when people mention it, just, yeah. you know. And it wasn't for me to really take over. It wasn't like, oh, I'm I'm in charge of, like, campaigning and stuff. The The families on Guilford Crescent, didn't have a voice they yeah. no one no one wanted to mm-hmm. no no one felt comfortable doing it and i was like i will be fucked if i've just done a 10 years of goody who special here and gone into the history of this place and like what it st- stood for and has done and you know like the family run businesses on the street i will be fucked over my fucking dead body am i going to stand back and be silent and allow them to just yeah. be turfed out so yeah. i just kicked up a fucking stink over it because i was like well no one else is gonna you know, mm-hmm. if I don't do this, no one else is gonna do it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's why you know I just started the Save Guild for Crescent thing, and yeah. uh, you know it, it humbles me that people still say you know like you know say nice things about that. But I just I'm just doing what I think's right, like and necessarily not all the time what I'm doing what I think's right is what's right, you know. Well, and I'm what, up, I, what a I'm lot up of for people critique. think is right. 
like True. I was there on that day as well and yeah. there were thousands of people there like clearly you weren't the only one that thought that that was right like True. there was there, there was all of us that thought it was right yeah so like you weren't on your own like you yeah. weren't being headstrong for no reason by any stretch of the imagination yeah I mean this you know I don't want to come across as like this narcissistic egotistical egotistical person that thinks <laughs> that you know i'm the the fucking cock of the walk i'm really not you know i just want to help people yeah. succeed and if if my mouth and my fingers on social media can help bring attention or awareness or let people know what's going on or whatever like you know like i'll do it like that the yeah. gig guide didn't start the way that it is now you know like it was a guide to tell people what was going on but then i started thinking fucking tickets go on sale for gigs in advance, sometimes a long time in advance, so the, the the promoter can get their fill and go. Well, there's my deposit. We know that you know seven thousand people are coming to this concert. Yeah, yeah. So they announce it about a year before it's going to happen, or eight months, or six months before it's going to happen. But the tickets don't go on sale a week before the show. The tickets go on sale a week after they've announced. Mm -hmm. So you know you'll get like yeah, what was what was a big one recently. Little Mix, I think I saw on Motor Point. That that was that was that's a relatively fresh one. This is yeah. used Little Mix, right? Because I I'll talk about anything. Me, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not pigeonholed. Like I will give anything a go, and I'll give anything a listen. I'm I stream now uh, as well. Uh, yeah, do streaming, game streaming, mm -hmm. and I'll play anything. I'm the same with games as I am with music. Yeah. Um, and I'll give anything a go. You know. So uh, Little Mix is a prime example, and they announce it, and they say, ah. Oh, it's happening <clears throat> next year. Obviously, it's going to be happening next year in 2022 because, you know, yeah. most arena shows are now mm -hmm. and the touring circuits. Uh, it's going on. It's, it's happening next year. Oh, tickets go on sale on Friday. Now, if you're a massive fan of Little Mix, right, Ben? <laughs> <if you're, laughs> obviously, I am. Obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah I, can see, oh, I can see the sticker there on your jet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, now, if you're a massive fan of Little Mix and you don't, have social media or you use it very sort of casually or you know you don't listen to the radio or whatever because not all these gigs get featured on radio not all the like you know how are you supposed to know it's happening yeah you know i i, I and nine times not nine times out of ten that's probably a massive overestimation but a good half 50 percent 60 percent of the time people don't know that they're happening mm. and then what happens scalpers come in buy all the tickets secondary ticket resale websites yeah exactly and then when you want to go you go oh fucking hell little mix play god if oh my god i could take my daughter and all that my sister and all that yeah on you go tickets are all sold out but they're on via go go for fucking twice yeah. the price exactly you know yeah, so i was like ticket. right we gotta do something about this so then i started doing my just announced stuff so anytime i would like literally i've got it to a point now where i'm finger on the pulse on all ticketing websites on all yeah. venue websites anything gets announced Within five minutes of it being announced, I've posted about it. Oh, I try yeah. to. I try to most days. That's cool, man. Five, ten minutes. Mm. I've seen you just announce stuff, obviously, but I never yeah. made that link in my mind that it kind of, it, it, it's, it's a, a battle against the scalpers and the increased prices. Oh, That's yeah, cool. no, absolutely. Well, yeah. I, I mean, in 20, I think it was 2017 or 2018. It must have been 2017, 16 or 17, because I did a talk on this in Porter's uh, before I got really ill in, tw in 2018. Uh, I was out, out of commission for a couple of months um, yeah. but uh, I basically did a talk, a show and tell for Creative Cardiff and I did some research into this and in secondary ticket resale uh, in 2016 I think it was uh, they, they, the big four which was, uh, I mean 
I don't want to accuse or point or anything. Most of them are owned by Ticketmaster, and the big four were, I don't know if they've changed the color of spots these days, uh, Get Me In, Viagogo, StubHub, and Seatwave. They were the big yeah. four secondary ticket resale websites. Mm-hmm. They made a billion pounds worldwide on secondary ticket resale. A billion pounds. And That's like you think, insane. it's nuts. Now, I'm all for someone buying a ticket and can't go. I get yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? No, oh, everyone yeah. can go. I'm mm-hmm. not slating people. We've all been there, yeah. I can even, to a little bit, I can even to a little bit, respect touts. I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> Some touts, but you don't know, do you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Some touts, like I grew up in a, in a in a household, like I said earlier, where we had to make ends meet. Some of these people who are ticket touts, that might be how they make ends meet. They might yeah, not yeah. be making tons and tons of money and mm-hmm. they might have to put food on the table and that's one of the only ways they can do it. Yeah. If that's the scenario for a tout, fair enough. But it's this mafia-esque yeah. underground scalping. What's yeah. happening right now with games consoles, PS5, Xbox One, no one's been, uh, Xbox Series, I should say, no one's been able to buy them for months and months and months because the moment they're getting released, everyone's buying them up and yeah. within five or ten minutes, they're up on resale websites for with an extra 250 smacked on the top. Shocking, isn't it? It's the same. Yeah. Like, I don't understand this mafia-esque approach like you know at our expense as an industry yeah. um, so that's why I started the just announced stuff and then I just thought oh well we could we could we could do like one to watch you know like I'll do yeah. one to watch so, like you know if there's a big if there's a really cool gig coming up I'll do like a I'll do like a one to watch like a just like a quick feature this is what the music about if you fancy them for fans of these go check them out it started to become serious then middle of last year when I started like Alex, who's my illustrator, who I must give a massive shout out, who's been, I met him in university and he's stuck with me and he believes in this project and, you know, we are, we are starting to think bigger and badder about the gig guide moving forward, especially as we're on the road back to recovery now with, um, with gigs and stuff. Yeah. And we are thinking bigger and badder and better about ways we can tackle it and ways we can bring awareness to a whole new high. Um, I've just been so supportive through it all, you know. Uh, but l- like midway through last year, we start we made like borders. We started making borders then, and then we'd like put an image in the border, and then the border would say tonight. And like for just announced, we used like a bell, or tonight we used like a moon, or you know uh, this week or tomorrow I used the sun, you know. And I just kept yeah, using yeah. them. I was like, I'm just going to keep using these because like I used emojis like all the time anyway when I was like bigging it up in the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I must give Alex a massive shout out for the map that we released in November 2017. Yeah, that, that was that. as a result of Dempsey's closing. So most people ask me like, where did the idea come from? Why did you do it? And it's because after that Watsky gig, I just thought, you know, like closing closing down. Like, is this a, is this an awareness thing? I started questioning like, uh, are people aware? You know, because when I started a gig guide, I did start becoming very. Um, like uh not analytical but very uh eyes close to the prize sort of thing in terms of the gigs that were happening i was being really like uh uh, i can't think of the word meticulous meticulous Mm -hmm. i think it's probably of what's going on so i knew what was going on but the amount of times i hear from people i didn't know that was happening i didn't know this was happening oh that happened no way like that was happening a lot uh because they knew i was running the gig guide and i was just chatting to people and passing conversation whatever um so that plus the dempsey's thing i was just like started asking questions like is there an awareness thing? Obviously, I'm not big enough. I think at the time that I had the idea, I probably only had like 300 people like me on Facebook. You know, yeah. very low interaction. No one yeah. really 
you know, knew I was and stuff. And I was just plodding along, kind of like, oh, well, you know, just see what happens. And uh, the Dempsey thing happened. So I just thought, why don't it be good? Like, I remember when I was in uni and I first moved in as a fresher and they had this this map for freshers, but it wasn't like a map map. It was like a map with scribbles on it and it was all like really like um just like just like really messy not messy <laughs> but like just like but it all made sense it yeah. all compartmentalized and came together in fact it's a fucking map of Bristol so um that's what I had in my mind I was just like I wonder if there's a way that we could just take all of the venues even those that are just part time venues you know places like mm-hmm. Chapter and you know yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the the cricket ground that has a gig maybe two or three times a year and stuff yeah. and highlight them all on a page and make them similar sizes so that Club Eva Bach and the Moon are the same size as the Principality Stadium capacity right. wise there's thousands and thousands and thousands of differences you yeah. know but from an image perspective, we'll make them the same size, yeah. you know, and give it parity and give the grassroots music venues parity to the bigger venues, to your yeah, motor points, yeah. to your tram sheds, to, you know, your principality stadiums. So that's where the idea came from. I remember it like yesterday. My mum didn't want to have Christmas that year because our house got repossessed and it was all drama mm. and just like stuff going on. So we didn't, we didn't spend, we didn't do anything Christmas day. So I was in Chris in, uh, in Pont Cana on my own on Christmas Day, having a pizza, and uh, I just I was just there. I was just, like thinking, like, what can I do? Because I had I knew about this like this thing with Dempsey's, and I was just like, fuck it, you know, like we should have a go. So the first venue I gave to him was Goody Hoo because I thought oh, it's full of color, you know, quite boxy, so it's 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 simplistic yeah. and it's full of color and it's instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'll oh, draw Goody Hoo, and I remember I was in the BBC office working in the afternoon show came back from uh thing he's like oh, i drew a good who sent it to me i was f- blown away could not believe what i was looking at i was like oh my god that awesome. looks exactly like it so i said i'll draw the gate so you went away drew the gate come back so far oh, gate's a bit more complicated gate and roof you know it's got a steeple and mm-hmm. um if those people who don't know where the gate is it's on carepot street uh just off city road and it's where wales goes pop happens every year yeah. uh big folk venue as well big folk following in that venue uh and uh, yeah it's quite complex there's a church with a steeple and stuff so I'm thinking, oh, okay, we'll give him a bit of a chance. See, you know, it goes, oh man, it came back. I was like, oh my word, smashed it again. This looks realistic. And not <laughs> only was he like drawing stuff, he was drawing stuff to so much detail. Like he was drawing stuff on an A A3 piece of paper and then scaling it down. So he's oh, drawing right. it with ridiculous detail, attention <laughs> to detail. And then when you scale it down, it looks like a photograph. Some yeah. people to this day still say that that map looks like a page of photographs. Um, no, which is madness. Drawn. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, mate. And then, like, I saw, I'll do St. David's Hall. Oh, my God. And the St. David's Hall, it's got like little squiggles, but you know it's peacocks. You can tell it's the yeah. peacocks logo. Yeah. But the way he's drawing it, it doesn't say peacocks, but you know it's peacocks. Yeah. And the like perspective of it, it just blew my mind. So I must give him a massive shout out because, you know, he's been such an incredible, incredible part of my gig guy journey, really. And, you know, like, makes my post stand out because, you know, of his drawings um so you know like i gotta give massive credit to him but yeah. you know like it, it it was done in response really to the closure of grassroots music venues and it was interesting then the womumbi street stuff all happened whilst we were still drawing 
he, at one point I remember him saying to me shall I draw Club Eva back is it going to be there and I'm like mate draw it you know let's just see what happens be optimistic Come exactly on. <laughs> you know I, I, he drew the moon and then they closed the moon down and I was like oh god and then they brought out the moon which is the moon that we all know now because it was called yeah. the full moon originally yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the moon club was upstairs we've actually got the design he drew the moon club and the full moon and then they rebranded and rechanged this. So I said, "Oh man, we're gonna have to re- we're gonna have to change up the moon and stuff, and change the bootlegger and that, and he had to do all yeah. that again." Um, but we still got the original one of that, uh, uh, the original drawing. Uh, but you know, like th- th- that was all happening, and I knew the map was coming, but I knew it wasn't coming straight away because, you know, it's he's slow, but he's thorough, you know. So it's going to take us a well, while. It takes time, yeah. So we got yeah, so we got to November twenty seventeen, and then out come the map, um, you know, which it was just mental you know we printed 20,000 and I've got 2,000 left and yeah yeah they're, they're in storage at my mum's which mm-hmm. and we did both languages as well you know we did English and Welsh yeah. and uh, just gave them all away like people loved yeah. them even after Goody Who closed people still wanted one uh, yeah. even though Goody Who was on there I was like it's not up to date you know and like last year someone said oh have you still got any of this map so like Goody Who Buffalo and 10 feet tall are all on this map <laughs> <laughs> like they're not around anymore like, it's that? like a memento of those now like yeah. they, they still exist on the map even though if not in real life on the map and in our hearts they still exist oh absolutely <laughs> yeah, I got so you know I got so much of Goody Who stuff here I got the owl that was above the door because I watched them gut it man like that yeah. was such a that was such a oh, it was just a, such a, again as a, as a tidal wave of emotions and more so than the Womanby Street thing because I was with the families pretty much every day and I was with the yeah. business owners pretty much every day and you know I, I was seeing the, the conversations of we're going we're gonna to have to let you go you're going to have to find yeah. a new job and these were people who had been working for Madeira and Thai House for like 15, 20 years I was seeing tears I was seeing tears from the, sure. the staff I was seeing tears from the owners you know uh, and I was seeing these like really like close to the bone conversations that again gave me an even deeper perspective into these thankless jobs and what people go through on a day-to-day basis with their landlords and you know all this hidden stuff that you don't see when you rock up to see a gig you come to see a gig you see a band play you have a good time you have a couple of drinks you know you meet someone you fall in love with them you might meet you know your new best friend you might meet your new favorite band you don't think about the you know the the behind the scenes the life admin and all of those yeah those like hidden behind the scenes facade things that are going on so you know it 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 really did bring a whole new layer of stuff i had to take time out like for at least four months after that because it just blew me out just well just because it wasn't only because we got defeated but it was just the way it happened you know what i mean yeah and also the fact that they demolished it and the you know I won't get too much into this because I realise I've shot way over your time. But, you know, like the, yesterday, you know, we're 24th of uh, February 2021. Yesterday, 23rd of February 2021, they announced they're in a 262 apartment, 29 storey high building yeah, on Guildford Crescent. It's taken two years. I understand we've had a pandemic, right? But it's taken two years for that decision to be made. Now, pandemic didn't hit till, properly until January, February, March 2020. Those businesses could have had an extra year on that street gratis. But no, the landlord was spiteful, it was personal, and he booted them out. And that, my friends, I'm sorry, is just the portrayal of an absolute fucking twat. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry Mm -hmm. that I'm using that. And I gave that landlord all 
the you know the ammunition in the world to come tell me you've got a different vision of Cardiff to what I've got mm-hmm. I respect that talk to me engage with us talk to us and they just literally put the wall up and would not speak to us he never even spoke to you at all never spoke they to me did. once the entire time I messaged him I kept emailing I, someone uh, leaked me his email address I emailed him and I was very polite I wasn't going to like mouth off at him or anything like yeah. that I understand that people got different visions but at least open the bridge of communication discuss yeah. discuss mm-hmm. make a compromise you know they could have had an extra year on that street they could have had time to find new premises and they didn't and they got booted out a hundred people lost their jobs and that's a hundred people that got families that got children that got people they're supporting on or they're relying on or they're supporting you know that's a lot of people and yeah, um is, you know 10 is a lot of people 100 yeah. is astronomical yeah so you know like i just i can't believe that it has taken two years in order for that to come to fruition and that ground laid vacant and bare for all that time um i understand there was a pandemic obviously that's going to slow up plans but mm. nothing happened in 2019 and those yeah, businesses exactly. those buildings didn't need to be demolished for at least a year for yeah. at least a year and um i i just i i'm so devastated that you know compromise couldn't be reckoned with really yeah um, yeah because i think i think the pub were extremely lucky to be able to move successfully like we did like you say it's, sure. it's unlikely that goody who are going to be coming back mm. but like it's it's because these places are so unique like the their culture can't be replicated you know yeah. what i mean yeah. and i think we were really lucky in a lot of ways both with the building with the support that we got from the community yeah. with like you say with sam and the effort that she was willing to put in and just by some miracle we were able to to transport the culture from one place to another and it, yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to achieve for sure well i helped them look for some premises over a period of time the goody who lot and um you know like it prerequisites that are needed are very hard to come by you know you need yeah. something you need somewhere that's got decent decent annual rent you know that the, mm-hmm. the overheads are quite low like buffalo for example people say oh why didn't good go you move in buffalo why don't people move in buffalo like i'm i'm happy to tell you that like when i spoke to the people like when they said oh we're closing buffalo which coincidentally happened the same time as the guildford crescent campaign yeah it did, uh yeah. the um the overheads they were paying including business rates every year was around ninety thousand pounds Ninety thousand pounds a year for a grassroots. All right, they were a cocktail bar. They had, you know, boutique artists and nights and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But they were a music venue, and they, they did they yeah. did do DJ nights. And people, that's what people remember them for. People mm-hmm. remember it for Bump and Grind. People remember it for yeah. when Stormzy played there, and people remember that. People remember Adele. People always refer to Adele. Yeah, In yeah, fact, whenever whenever this grassroots things are, that Adele and that story always comes up. You mm-hmm. know, so like. The, people remember for that but you know they were paying £90,000 a year and I remember him saying to me uh, James uh, uh, his name was and uh, he said to me look he said um, you know the business rates are just too high we're over- overheads we, you know and now they've introduced business rate relief but then yeah. there was no business rate relief Nothing, and so yeah. as a result of that they just they didn't have a leg to stand on you know and it was so high they just they were losing money like they were they were hemorrhaging personal investiture as well their own money like you know yeah. it wasn't a business anymore they were then having to pay out their own pocket and yeah. i think that's another thing we need to give people applauded for is that you know grassroots music venues sometimes don't make 
even. They don't break oh, even. Sure. And, you know, yeah. people who run these places put in their own pocket into, you know, their future savings or, you know, mm. investiture for their future, uh, you know, pension and or whatever, you know, are, are using that money to yeah. power that building. Yeah. To power I'm, that building. And so I confidently say that that's the case more often than not, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's so sad that's not the way it should be. Not no. the way it should be at all. No. It's the same with art, isn't it? Art, I've always seen it this way, and I've always thought that the government's views of art have always been the same. Art is great when we want it to happen. But, yeah, on you know, our terms. Yeah, on our terms. Yeah. It's yeah. great when there's thousands of people coming down and we can showcase Wales as the land of song. You know, Me and yeah. Dave Owens always talk about this. Bless him from Media Wales. Uh, he used to work at Media Wales, Wales Online, and now he works uh, Welsh Music Podcast and does freelance stuff for Nation.cymru. But, you know, like we always chat about this and it is just disgraceful that we are Wales, the land of song, and we don't even have a hymn sheet to sing off. Like, yeah. Wales doesn't have a music museum. What the fuck is that about? Yeah. What is that about? Says we say lot. we're proud of our country, but yet we're not putting the trousers on when we're supposed to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What's yeah. that about? You know, I think, like, this is why I said uh, when they announced the arena down in the bay. Not got a problem with it. I think it's great. Some people say, oh, I don't, I don't think it should happen, which is fine. I take that point on board. I take, yeah. you know, I'm... I'm not saying that everyone should have the opinion that I say, but what I am saying is you're going to put an arena that size in Cardiff Bay. Fuck's sake, let's have a museum in there. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, it's like the true. other day, like the Nisa yeah. went up for sale top of Wimby Street. It's gone, like, because of COVID. Gone. Yeah. There's a Nisa at the top of Wimby Street. Wimby Street, hidden away street. This fucking open something in there that is flamboyant, that is colourful, that is vibrant, that says, big fucking arrow, by the way... There are grassroots music venues down that street. The pub yeah. is great in the sense it's very visible now in, as is, opposed yeah. to where it was before. Because yeah. before it was tucked away down the street. It was lovely mm-hmm. and blue. You could, you know, you, you're like, hang on a minute, what's that blue building yeah. over there? Once you got to the street, you could see it. Yeah. But, Once yeah. you got to the street, but it was off yeah. one of the side streets up to the train station, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but now it's incredibly visible. Womumbi Street, unfortunately, is still very invisible. And yeah. it's so strange, you know, even up to just before the pandemic, you know, at all the campaigns, the people who we managed to reach with those campaigns know they're there, but tourists still don't know it's there. You yeah. know, uh, I'm trying, trying so hard to raise awareness of it, but people still don't know it's there. And it's it's cross-sectioned. It's like wedged in between two of the busiest streets yeah. in Cardiff City Centre, St. Yeah. Mary Street and Westgate Street. Yeah. You know, and it's there. And most people... You know, I say most people, but you know, I I I always think it's when I go to a big arena show. I go to a big arena show. There's like, you know, ten thousand people there or whatever. Seven thousand five hundred, I think, is the capacity at Moat Point Arena. I think how many of these know Woman B Street? Let me say that again. How many of these know Woman B Street exists? Do you yeah. know what I mean? How many yeah, of these yeah. don't know of the? You know, like it was. But like when I watched Coldplay and they 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 name check Club Eva back on stage. I was like, how many people in this stadium right now know what this street is and know what this street means? You know, yeah. and um, well, that's why I'm in it for the long haul. That's why I want to keep on going, and that's why I want to keep doing it. I've made no money from this gig guide at all. Anybody mm. who thinks that I'm peddling pennies away needs to take another look. I've been <laughs> yeah. doing doing this now for like I say it's this fifth year in October. I've tried my hardest to be committed to the cause. Obviously, I go take work when work comes up because how else am I am I supposed to pay my rent? Yeah. But with my gig guide, I've always wanted to make it full time. I've always wanted to commit everything to it, and I'm in it for the long haul because 
as far as I'm concerned, Wales's music scene is the world's best kept secret. Yeah. You know, and the venues within it are, you know, our best kept secret too. Uh, and we need to get people to know that these exist and you know and, and know the stories that emanate from them I love the stories that emanate from them you know like all the how oh, do you remember this time like it's just it just generates so many anecdotal experiences I could sit here until 2 o'clock this morning and we probably sure. will at this right and I just don't. reel off like every like anecdotal experience I've had in a grassroots yeah. music venue here in Wales you know and yeah. it is so important that we keep those stories going um, yeah man I'm going to shut up now, man. I really yeah, let's wrap things up. That's a perfect place to end things. That was that was perfect. A goosebump inducing. Brilliant. <laughs> Hopefully those, scissors, can... those scissors are going to come in handy, mate, because there's plenty of, <laughs> plenty of stuff to cut no, out. No, man, I like putting things out as whole as they are. Like It's, oh, it's really? important oh, that people hear the whole conversation. I in like which case... Stuff, it, but... In which case, if you've made it this far, fair fucking play. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish then. What what's coming up for the gig guide? Have you got anything kind of on the cards to reveal or well, in, plans in the works? Well, kind of. I you know trying to. I'm not. I'm not trying not to play it too close yet because you know I, 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 I simply because we just don't know where this these next few months are going to take us in terms of a journey. Yeah, we have a true. potential. We have a potential project in the pipeline, um, that we think will aid and abet live music here in South Wales yeah. and hopefully Wales. I've toyed with the idea for ages. Loads of people said to me, you should make Minty's Gig Guide all Wales. I don't know what to do about that. I don't know if that's, you know, if that's the right recourse. It's yeah. like, I want to, but, because, you know, I, I appreciate, like, you know, like I say, the pub I, I've adopted I'm just like fuck it I'm just talking about the yeah. pub now I've made yeah. that rule fuck it I'm doing it <laughs> um, you know and there will be other places in Wales that just need that love and attention that ain't yeah. getting it in Aberystwyth in Carnarvon in Bala in Llandidno you know yeah. small time community projects uh, and community music nights that just are not reaching the populace and like I'm wondering like am, am I as an outsider am I right to poke my nose in that and start talking about those things or should I focus on you know where I'm at and establish yeah. that I've toyed with it I've toyed with it I've thought about doing a poll and checking it out and saying to people oh should should I go pan Wales and Wales wide mm. I just don't know I it's simply hard, don't because there's pros and cons like you say th yeah. those places do need support and they, they would benefit from from a voice like the gig guide sure but like you say like the the special thing the beautiful thing about the the gig guide to Cardiff is that you are so involved in the yeah. gig scene in Cardiff like it is very much first hand you know what's going on kind of yeah. thing I think I would definitely get to that level in Wales if I committed to doing it a Wales wide yeah, project and I'd go yeah. to these places I'd you know would take time out of the calendar to make sure I'm visiting you know at least a, a full week out of a month you know in different yeah. places across Wales as well as going to Cardiff um, yeah. but I'm also really conscious that there are things that exist you know i want to give a shout out to swansea music hub who you know try trying and at a moment we're in a pandemic but when we were very much out of a pandemic course, we're trying yeah. very hard to instigate some form of you know gathering and community of uh and bringing together amalgamation of what was going on in swansea you know yeah. focus wales op op operate out of 
Wrexham and anytime yep. there's stuff going on in Wrexham they very much talk about that you know diverse and La Pub in Newport uh, mm-hmm. as well as being a community space La Pub is so much more I mean you are you go podcast you know what I mean yeah. you're reaching out to communities this is We're what trying. you're doing right yeah, yeah. so I'm really conscious that those sorts of things are happening and I don't really want to stamp on toes I more just want to compliment and as I say aid and abet these places yeah so I don't know I'm still up in arms as to whether that's a goer or not but we've got a something in the pipeline that we think is a goer in terms of you know really uh helping get the recovery back up for live music especially in the south wales area of newport and cardiff um and i don't want to say too much just in case it doesn't happen why promise something if you can't deliver on it you know that's why i've literally not said anything to anyone about it but we've been working on it day and night I've been working on it for like the past seven or eight months, um, and uh, you know I'm quite I'm quite happy with where we're at. But again, it's getting something like this lifted, funded off the ground, yeah, uh, getting getting support problem. of stakeholders and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I don't I don't know, and I don't want to jinx it because uh, normally I'm mouthy as fuck and I'll say something, <laughs> and, and then everyone go, "Hey, that's happening!" And then, oh, that's not happening. Like I said to yeah. loads of people that I was helping Goody Who find a new place, you know, and um, those people were like, "Oh my god, Goody Who could come back!" And uh, and then obviously Didn't everything just disjointed, and uh, yeah. uh, you know things led the way that they led, and and then I just felt like a bit of a fool and just saying to people that I was doing that. So I, I've I've le- I've learned from my mistakes, and I. I won't be saying it but i'm yeah. streaming at the moment as well that's something else i take a real passion in you know like gaming i've always enjoyed gaming i've always yeah. been a massive retro fanatic in fact the first time i came to the pub i hit the mega drive in the corner of the bar the first time <laughs> that i came there and and like was playing street fighter uh and i hope i'm still there when we return because street fighter 2 street fighter 2 is my favorite game of all time yeah. um, when people can approach the bar again it will be there waiting amazing. for them yeah Excellent. <laughs> uh, rubbing my hands just in case you wondered what that weird noise was uh, but yeah I mean I've been collecting games now all, all all of my wages other than going into injecting money into the gig guide has gone on like buying retro games like I've been doing it you know since oh, the past 10 years but more actively and more prominently you know the past like 4 or 5 years where I've had a little bit more of a disposable income um, so yeah I've been collecting and collecting and collecting now I've got like over 15 consoles over 700 games and I'm just like why didn't I just like start playing these games to an audience and someone said yeah. oh I remember someone saying to me I can't remember who was now I said oh have you thought about like getting on Twitch and I was like, no, I, you know, never really thought about it. So I started watching people Twitch, and I just couldn't believe it that you had like over a hundred and fifty people. Sometimes for the big boys and girls, you got like you know twenty five thousand, thirty people watching it's someone play a game. And you're like, what the fuck? So <laughs> I said, I'd just be happy with one person. So I started about four months ago and thought, oh, well, while I call it, oh, let's call it Minty's Game Guide, why not? You know, yeah, Game Guide is what you get, do it. you know, like when, yeah. when you were a kid, so Game Guide is what I'll do. And then I could tie that back to the music, maybe, sometimes, I don't know how, but I could. There's a potential opportunity coming up in uh, shortly because um, this girl from uh, St. Canis in Canton, uh, Linos, also stream she's streaming minecraft at the moment has basically built woman b street in minecraft oh no it way. looks fucking unbelievable awesome, so we're man. gonna do like a little cross stream maybe on i think we're gonna do it on saint david's day 
and oh, um, we're gonna we're gonna unveil when we're shooting Minecraft. So there, it kind of works, you know. I was doing like little bits with the gig guide before, like I was getting artists in to interview them, and then I was filming them play the first level of Sonic the Hedgehog, oh, kind yeah. of like in a, a, a Top Gear uh, fast car lap uh, right. sort of scenario. Who can do the yeah. level in the fastest time? And I'd like to bring that back as well because I, you know, games and music are like my two biggest loves. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so that, like that 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 um, that that's what I'm doing. I'm streaming, and you know, I just come off. I'm dressed as a fucking pilot at the moment. <laughs> just been playing Flight Simulator, and I had 13 people like watching me strong. Now you might be like, oh, 13 people. Pff. If you watch, you've got 12 or 13 people watching you strong. You're doing something right. Yeah, so I don't sure, know what man. is that I'm doing right, but. Uh, I'm enjoying it, man. I'm enjoying sharing the love. Like I'm all about sharing. I love sharing my limited potted knowledge of music with people, and then yeah. hearing people's stories come back as well. And right. I'm the same with games. I love, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, that was weird for me, man. I talked an awful lot because you asked a lot of questions, but I, <laughs> it's it's weird because I normally ask people the questions. You're the other and, side uh, of the mic. Yeah, yeah. yeah How I, was it? Yeah. Was it an enjoyable experience or not? Yeah. I think so. I think I've yeah. talked an awful lot, mainly because I tried to be as articulate as I could about everything, and I've turned into a Piers Morgan life stories, and uh, <laughs> you know, no one likes That's Piers good, Morgan, man. so make of that what you will. <laughs> well, some people do now. <laughs> but to me, I don't know. Do people like him? I don't well, know. Yeah. Right. Well. But, that's, uh, that's the story for the next time you come on. We'll, we'll thanks, chat man. Piers Morgan. <laughs> My life no. by Minty, twenty fourth of February, twenty twenty one. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks for uh, sparing the time. Um, oh, give, give us give us a shout out to to where people can find both the gig guide and the uh, streaming stuff. Like, where can people find more? Sure, it's like all across socials, and it's at Minty's Gig Guide for uh, the gig guide stuff, and at Minty's Game Guide for the game guide stuff. Simple awesome. as that, really. Simple. Yeah. Wicked, man. Thank you once again. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. All the best for both of them. Lovely. Thanks, man. Thank you for staying awake during all of that. Time of death, 20 to 5. <laughs> <laughs>